Monday, April the 18th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Got a nice Moon Knight deep dive recap and review for episode 3 with Tim Kelly. Decided to put that together with a little early week racing action. It's opening day over at uh, formerly known Indiana Grand called Horseshoe Indianapolis now. So we've got a couple plays for you for Tuesday there, and then we'll give out a couple plays for Wednesday for Keeneland. So we'll get some Tuesday, Wednesday racing. Uh, We'll talk a little baseball in a second, and uh, and then we'll finish up with our deep dive with Tim Kelly, episode three of Moon Knight, scene by scene. And we get into everything halfway home now in the series, just a six-episode installment there on Disney+, Plus. really liking what we've seen uh, so far with Moon Knight. This episode of That's What G Said is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTVBets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter. There is an incredible live stream schedule coming up. And over the next few months, Better Than Vegas will help give you free analysis, help make you become a better better. You'll have insight from all sorts of different handicappers around the world sharing their thoughts on the NBA playoffs, baseball, horse racing, from all over the place. Football, soccer, you have some fun comedy segments, USFL stuff coming up, incredible analysis from people all over the world, and it is totally free for you to hang out. All these live streams go on Twitter and on social media to the YouTube channels. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. On Monday, I do uh, a Riders Up interview with one of the jockeys from Fantac and we get to talk and interview all these incredible athletes that we've never really heard a whole lot from we don't really get to talk to jockeys all that often I'm a part of the Mohawk Mania shows every Monday and Thursday we preview the Woodbine Mohawk early pick five so some of you harness racing fans some standard bread action come hang out with us that show starts at 6 30 p.m eastern time Monday through Friday now, all throughout the NBA playoffs. If there are NBA games, we will be having a live stream at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. That'll lead right into Mohawk Mania. We'll have NBA live streams on Saturday and Sunday at noon Eastern Time. And that will take you uh, and, and preview all the NBA slate for you there. Just a, a ton, a ton of information. And it's all free for you. Everything free at BTV. Just a quick hitter at what was going on over the weekend with uh, the MLB in baseball over in the National League. Really, it was a good weekend for some of the California teams in, in both the NL and the American League. Dodgers have won six in a row now. They're up to seven and two. And the Giants trying to prove that last year was no fluke. They've won five in a row. They're tied with the Dodgers. They're up to seven and two. Uh, Rockies right behind them in the division, six and three, and the Padres also have won six games. So a good start for the NL West with only the Diamondbacks under 500 at three and six. In the National League Central, the Cardinals and the Cubbies are uh, right up top. Actually, the Cardinals are slightly above the Cubs at five and three. Cubbies and Pirates are at five and four. Brewers are five and five, and the Reds have really struggled the last week or so. They've lost six consecutive games. They got beat up by the Dodgers. And uh, the Reds not looking great. So that's in the NL Central, National League East. You've got the Mets up top. They uh, lead at 7-3. and three. Behind them, the Braves, Marlins, 
Phillies and Nationals. Kind of a struggling or out of the gate for the Phillies, who are really good on paper. Kind of looks like what you're going to get from a Marlins team who can't really score a whole lot of runs, but they're going to keep you from scoring a whole ton, and they'll they'll be feisty. So the Marlins are at four and five. The Mets up top in the NL East. Over in the American League, you've got the Blue Jays. Uh, they are 6-4 and four up top the AL East, but that's a really, really wide-open division where the Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox are all only separated by a game there. Uh, Orioles at 3-6, and six, so Orioles taking their place towards the bottom of that division as uh, what, what many expected. It was the Angels who really made some noise in the American League. They won three games in a row over the weekend, and the Angels are now up to six and four, half game ahead of the Astros, who are at five and four. The A's and Mariners at five and five, right behind them. The White Sox at six and three, on top of the Guardians, Tigers, Twins, and Royals. So the White Sox, no surprise, they're going to be one of the better teams out there in uh, in the American League. That's a, a quick little snapshot, and we'll start bringing on some guests as we get a little bit more of a sample size. Once we get like 15, 20 games in, it makes it a little bit easier to start looking at numbers, to start trying to find out if there are any trends or anything we can really dive into. And over at Better Than Vegas, every Monday through Friday morning, 9 o'clock Pacific time, noon Eastern time, quick hitter baseball shows. I join them every Tuesday morning to give out a couple best bets in baseball at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific time. So good luck in baseball. A nice start for the Dodgers. And we are going to start talking some horse racing right now. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with, with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Each and every day, you got to get those DRF Pass performances. Head on over, check out the Stable Duel schedule in the app and see what games you will be playing. I know when it's Keeneland, there are Stable Duel games every day over at Keeneland. And if you want to find out all the key information each and every weekend, come hang out with us Friday morning, 10 a.m., Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for this weekend in Stable Duel. We have a live stream that goes for about an hour and a half or so. And it's myself, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears, sometimes a couple other guests. We go through Friday and Saturday races for usually a couple different tracks. We each give out maybe five or six plays. They're always big prices. We never give out horses that are five to one or under. It's always 5 to 1 over never horses that are like 2 to 1, 8 to 5 because that's not what's the point of that for us having a show to give you information to give you horses that you can use in your lineup or you can make money off of. We want to give you horses that actually will help you make some money and are horses that are outside the box. So, hang out. We actually go through the DRF formulator past performances. We look at replays, charts, pedigree information. It's a great way to get your weekend started. Hopefully, we can lead you to one or two horses and maybe It'll be just as easy as you going, hey, you know what? I'm putting my pick five together. That horse that Barry mentioned was like 15 to one. And that horse, you know what? I think I'm going to throw them in. And boom, if that horse wins, hopefully that's something that helps you out. Or, you know, obviously you're building your stable dual lineups. We're giving you a bunch of different horses. You can use combinations of horses here. We have fun every Friday morning this weekend in stable duel. And I'm getting very excited as we're getting closer and closer to opening day at Louisiana Downs. Louisiana Downs opens up on Kentucky Derby Day, May the 7th. That's a Saturday. They will run from May the 7th through September the 27th. Normal days when they have a seven-race format, they're going to have a late pick four that has a 15% takeout. I'm going to be playing that pick four each and every day. We're going to be providing analysis, tickets, deep dives, live streams, interviews with guest handicappers, uh, executives from Louisiana Downs, jockeys, trainers, all sorts of people. We're going to be bringing them all on here, and we're really going to be 
doing our best to shine some light on Louisiana Downs and the excitement, the enthusiasm, what they want to do with their product. It fits perfectly for me and for all of us here, all of you listening. I think everyone here, a lot of you are big racing fans, always looking for a place to play, and it looks like Louisiana Downs is going to be the place for us in the coming months. May the 7th through September the 27th, Louisiana Downs will be firing away. Their racing schedule will be every Monday Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. So they'll open up on Saturday the 7th. They'll go Saturday the 7th of May, the 8th of May, the 9th of May, the 10th of May. They're off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They get back on the 14th. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, opening up on the 7th, and you'll get that same schedule through May, June, July, August, and September. We look forward to being your home for Louisiana Downs. Any day they're racing, you're going to want to tune in to That's What G Said podcast and get uh, some thoughts on the pick four, possibly full card analysis, some best bets throughout the day. LAD coming soon. Speaking of racetracks opening up, how about Indiana? Horseshoe Indianapolis, newly named. They're going to have uh, their opening day on Tuesday, April the 19th. We've got a couple plays for you if you're looking at Indiana Grand. Uh, form, I'm going to say that probably 50 times. If you're looking at Horseshoe Indianapolis, formerly known as Indiana Grand, here are a few horses that you can use in some of your exotics or put a few bucks on. So looking at April the 19th, we're going to flip to race number five. We've got a, an Indiana bred maiden special weight race here for... Three-year-olds, they're going to go five furlongs. I thought the three, Smile Like Kyle, was a horse who actually ran pretty well last year when debuting as a two-year-old back in November. It was a a tough start to the race for him. He he sort of broke inward. He was a little bit green, and he got crossed over on the half mile or so to begin. wasn't easy. Then, Then he settled, and I thought he showed some ability when he did. He made a nice middle move. He moved up to third within two, just chasing the top two choices in there. Then he tired a little bit. Smile like Kyle. I feel like there's something there with this one. Smile like Kyle. 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything around 5, I'd make a win wager there in the fifth at Horseshoe Indianapolis on Tuesday. Let's move along. A couple other plays for you. One in the 8th, one in the ninth. Race number 8, Maiden Special Weights going 5 furlongs here. I'm looking at the first time starter, the number 9, My Gold Mirror. The dam of this one... He's a three-year-old son of Verrazano out of the damn gold-leafed mirror. This one was an eight-time winner, eight for 36, seven of those on the dirt. She won her second start. She was also a small stakes winner, and she was really fast. All of her success came sprinting on the dirt. She produced eight foals, all of them winners, a couple really nice ones. Two of them won their debut. Nice dam, capable pedigree. Barn, that solid first time out. You got a steady work tab here. There's a work on March the 15th that was really quick that shows there might be enough speed in here to compete, but then some stamina building, just this little bit slower type works for the number nine, My Gold Mirror. That's the play for me in race number eight. If we can get anything around seven to two, I'll make a win wager on My Gold Mirror. Let's finish up Tuesday plays at Horseshoe Indianapolis, opening day over there. In the ninth race, there are two horses I'm going to use in all exotics. The number three, Abuelo Nuno, who got caught in between horses on March the 16th. He was not in a comfy spot. That was his first start for Tom Amos, first start off the claim for Amos. And he was squeezed back. He was surrounded on all sides. He was within two, but... and. 
he just didn't really have a whole lot of room until it was too late. By the time he got room in early stretch, he was a little bit flat. I think there's more with Abuelo Nuno. You're also going to get the slight cutback, so you'll have a little bit more late punch for the three. We'll use the five Fort Lowell. Sat close up, was always within striking range. I thought it was a really solid win. First time out of the box at Turfway against Maiden Specials. And sometimes those Turfway synthetic races don't come back quite with as big of numbers and figures because they're not really as fast as some of the dirt races. But those horses come out of Turfway and they're fit and they generally perform very well elsewhere. So 3-5 for me in the ninth at Indy on Tuesday. couple plays for you on opening day. Best of luck on Tuesday as we move on over to Wednesday. Let's talk some Keeneland, get those past performances out for April the 20th. Keeneland Wednesday, April the 20th, 420. Smoke them if you got them. Let's get to race number three for Keeneland Wednesday. We got 50,000 beaten claimers in here. These are three-year-olds and up, which have never won three or three-year-olds. They'll go seven furlongs on the main There's a lot of horses in this race that aren't in very good form. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use two horses in here in a lot of exotics. Actually, all three races I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be keying on two different horses to build my exotic tickets around. I think the four is the horse to beat. He's in charge. He feels like the most logical winner of this race. His most recent races are not that bad. He has some early speed. You'd imagine he'll be forwardly placed in here. Pratt jumps aboard. He's going to go third start off the long layup. There are a lot of positives for he's in charge. I don't know if he really wants to go seven. I could see him being forwardly placed an entire bit. Now, Carmel Bay next door, the five, he's a big price. Is he good enough to win and to beat this group? I don't know. There are some nice horses in here. But a lot of those nice horses aren't in good form and just don't have recency. Girl, if Daddy hasn't raced since November, Super Comet, they'll add the blinkers on coming off of a, a turn back. Maybe that'll help them get a little more forwardly placed. I haven't really been all that impressed with what they've been doing since the return from the long, long layoff. Of course, one, you know, the first two starts of their career took a shot in the Amsterdam, and then we haven't seen since uh, that type of success. You've got Roderick, who hasn't raced since July of last year. You've got King's Ovation, who comes off of a just a trouncing and hasn't been very good in the last couple. Maybe you can make excuses for that one, you know, needing the last race and and toss the, the toss two angle. King's mischief to the outside, coming off of a, a poor race on the grass. I think that from at least a horse being in nice form, you've got Carmel Bay, who was a winner at Turfway, will go second start off the long, long layoff. They have shown some dirt success before. They actually had a race at Keeneland when they finished third. They were well beaten that day, but they have a race over the track. They've won on the dirt before over at Mahoning Valley. Is this a horse who, down the road, may end up being the best horse in this field? No, but he may be catching everybody at the right time in the right race at the right distance. Give me Carmel Bay, second start off the long layoff. I'll use the four and the five and hook them up together in all exotics. Carmel Bay's 15 to one. The four, he's in charge, is two to one. So let's put them together on top in exactas, tries, supers. I'll use those two if you're playing any rolling exotics, you know, build uh, pick fours or pick fives. Those will be the two I'd be using in race three. Let's move to race number five. A 50 starter allowance going a mile on the turf. I like the one golden voice. Last time we saw her on the turf was November at Del Mar. 
She was forwardly placed in that race. She sat third early on inside. She was within about two lengths, just tracking nicely. She had nowhere to go in the stretch. She altered course. She was moving around. She was looking for room. Thought it was a, a sneaky good effort from Golden Voice. That was back in November. She had a few months off. She showed back up at, in February at Turfway. She won against 30 non-two claimers. Then she stepped up in a first-level allowance. She was actually favored in that race. And she finished second. And she chased a wire-to-wire winner that day. So her recent form is very good. She's going to go third start off the long layoff. She gets back to the turf where she probably is the best. And she may even have a little more upside now in her first turf start as a four-year-old. You know, as an older, the little bit more maturity. Give me the one golden voice in all exotics. If this horse is over 7-2, to two, I'm going to bet her to win. But I will include the three Silky Warrior everywhere because she's coming back to the turf. She had a brutal start on the synthetic last time out. Just put a line right through it. Two starts back, she was in the, on the synthetic in a race that was sandwiched by small layoffs. So don't feel like she got the, the best that day. She gets away from Champagne Lady who beat her in the last two. What's wrong with the October 22nd race at Keeneland? Anything comparable to that would stack up really well in here for Silky Warrior. The number three, Silky Warrior. I'll be using along with the one golden voice. Use those two in all exotics. Let's get to the seventh. This is our third and final race that we're going to be looking at. And we have a first level, a third level allowance going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. The 6TD dance, I hope he doesn't get bet, but I, I think he probably will just off of the connections alone. He's going to go third start off the long, long layoff, so he should be set for the best start in his form cycle. And when we saw him race on March the 12th, he got bumped around a little bit at the start. He got caught in a bad spot in between horses towards the rear. He was eighth, about six or seven lengths off. He moved to the inside. He was in the third flight. He was sixth. And then he was about four lengths off. And then he moved off the rail, but he moved into traffic. He couldn't be asked because there were horses in front of him. And once he got room, it was too late. He really wasn't beating a whole lot down towards the inside. The number six, TD Dance, I'll be using in all exotics. I'll probably throw in the, the two fancy liquor underneath. I like the six a little bit more. So TD Dance, if this one's four to one, three to one, it would be, a, I wouldn't want to take three to one. I would be fine with four. So seven to two would probably be my breaking point with TD Dance. Fancy Liquor is 10 to 1, and I'd be using at least underneath another one, third start off the long, long layoff. There are some good grass races that he has, and if he's feeling a little bit better and he returns to the turf, I think Fancy Liquor could surprise some in here. So 6-2 in race number 7 at Keeneland. That is Keeneland for Wednesday. We'll have more racing for you later on in the week. Weekend action from Keeneland, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll pick another track. Maybe we'll hit some Aqueduct, or we'll uh, we'll see what other big uh, races. Once we dive into them, maybe we'll find a good betting race or two from uh, a couple different racetracks. But no doubt, we'll be having lots of Keeneland for you later on in the week. We're gonna have some Moon Night for you in just a minute. Before we do the Moon Night. Deep dive recap with Tim. Let's talk a little bit about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. If you're just interested in how much your home is worth, she'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. She can connect you to the right type of vendors if you want home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of people that she's had experience with, she's worked with, and she's used them in her own home. Maybe you need help with a loan, no problem. 
She's got that taken care of for you. She'll connect you with the lender that can get you pre-approved. That's going to make your life a lot easier. They will have a checklist for you all set. Everything you need to do. That's what Cindy's going to do. She's going to make things so much easier for you. Even if you're in an area that she doesn't work directly. She works in the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County. If you're in a different state or you're somewhere where you're just struggling, you haven't been able to get the the type of success you need selling your house or finding a place to live, Contact Cindy. She'll put you in touch with someone in the area that she knows, that she trusts. She is so kind, so genuine. I've known her for over a decade. This is the exact type of person you want to work with when you're dealing with something that's really big, right? Moving, relocating. This is some serious stuff. Cindy Carava is going to make your life a lot easier. Time for the deep dive. Marvel MCU fans, we are at the halfway point of Moon Knight, Episode 3. Coming up, Tim Kelly joins me for our patented scene-by-scene deep dive into everything going on in the world of Moon Knight. Kick back and enjoy Moon Knight, Episode 3. These D-plus Marvel MCU shows, they're like a whirlwind. They come into our lives, they take over, and then all of a sudden we realize we're already halfway done with this series, Moon yeah. Knight. Three episodes in, Tim Kelly joins me again for our deep dive, our recap, our review, our breakdown of episode three. TK, we head to Egypt for episode three here. This one, this was so cool because not only are we being introduced to Moon Knight, to Mark, to Steven, to Layla, to Arthur Harrow, and these characters, we're being introduced to this like world of ancient Egypt and. All this rich history too So there's like multiple things going on And it's it's, We said this word a lot last week It feels very fresh The introduction yes. of these ancient gods Into the MCU and, and kind of diving back into some of the comics Some of these gods were In Marvel comics And in the MCU In, in you know different comic forms So really fascinated about where we could go And what You know what was sort of unlocked at the end of this episode? I don't know if people realize what just happened. It's like, oh, yeah, one dude just set the world back 2,000 years. <laughs> like, we just, the whole Earth went back in time. Like the Arguably. Earth. I don't know. Right. I have some thoughts on that. I have some or thoughts maybe, on that, right? for or sure. Or was it like a, was it a vision? If if something like that is is the case, there could be a lot of stuff unlocked. What I like is that this episode, or this series feels to me a little bit like Loki in that, it does feel pretty important and heavy and maybe like there are new things that are going to spearhead future years of the MCU. So, man, I'm pretty pumped. I thought episode three was another fantastic one. Yeah, this was great. I mean, the world building in this is, is tremendous. You mentioned ancient Egypt, uh, but we also got a good side of modern Egypt. Uh, right. That's but something which that we rarely do. Right. We don't get right. to see like Egypt is one of those places when it's whenever it's presented in film. Or in television, it's always so like ancient, right? We we very right. rarely get a look at like, oh, what's a modernized look at Egypt? And it looks like this Dubai kind of right. like Vegas meets like Tokyo, just this really modernized, upscale, almost futuristic. Yeah, a little bit of a connection also to uh, the fictional Madripoor. Yep, uh, they name dropped it here. Yeah, so apparently there are maybe sister cities in a sense. There's there's a little connection there, I felt. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the characters 
are are intertwined as, as well. But uh, we saw recently Egypt uh, depicted in Wonder Woman uh, 1984, and that was criticized by the showrunner for this series, Mohamed Diab, uh, for for being just atrocious. And so he felt that with this, they really wanted to depict Egypt in an accurate. Uh, modern way, uh, while also, you know, nodding uh, to very heavily all the ancient Egyptian. Paying some respect to that. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. And they they, they go deep on it. And the comics have those connections to Thor primarily uh, from from my research. I've been diving deep into this stuff. uh, It was getting into Moon Knight now. Um, Yeah, me too. We both talked about how we went in kind of fresh and I've I've been doing a little back, uh, a little uh, research. (laughs) Awesome. And we get we really in this episode because I think in reading about Moon Knight and just like you said, I don't ever like to get spoilers and just sort of like, okay, what's yeah. this show going to be about? Mainly, we heard a lot of Indiana Jones um, meets Fight Club, and in this particular episode, you could really get the feel of Raiders of the Lost Ark mm. and that style of of um, you know what what the, the movies. Nowadays, the newer ones yeah. were sort of the national treasure with Nicolas Cage, you know, just like Uncharted, the, Uncharted, uh, Robin Hood yeah. is something that's mentioned, you know, sort of the mm-hmm. the uh, treasure hunter, someone who's sort of trying to rob from the rich, to, not necessarily to give back to the poor, but just to to put these artifacts back where they are. We sort of find out early on that's what Layla does. She's someone who yeah. has kind of stolen from these very rich Antiquers, these rich collectors, and she wants to preserve history more so. She jokes, oh, I got to keep one or two things for myself along the way to pay the bills. But yeah. th- so we do get for the first time, for the first time where you can actually feel it, we're out of Mark slash Steven's perspective. We're actually in Layla's perspective right. for a little while, which is a little bit of a a shift for us, um, especially right right off the bat to start. So we do find out a lot more about her throughout this episode. Yeah, uh surprising actually to have that that shift there. I mean, we're we're following Mark and Steven and and those personalities and to go outside them uh is a little bit disorienting at first. Uh but uh, but welcome, I'd say. Uh we also got the introduction of maybe a potential third personality in this episode, which I was really excited about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the teases of this in just sort of doing some of my research is another uh, personality named Jake Lockley, who yeah. is someone in the comics who is sort of like a different version of these guys. Someone who is a cab driver, who's sort of a little kind of scruffier, a little more gruff, a little shorter. Someone who kind of has the characteristics of like a detective, mm-hmm. what they say, yeah. you know, trying to find information about things here and there. And there are a couple times, TK, where I would rewatch very closely because. It seems like there are a few interactions with Mark and Layla where he's just being shorter with her than normal, kind of mm. like ruder than normal, not even not like giving her the the time that he normally would in their back and forth. And there were a couple little things that, you know, and just watching some of the other read caps and like heavy spoilers and uh, and and some of the guys out there on on YouTube they pointed out that in the comics, there are a few things that were tied to Jake, which was one of them was a, a, a cap like he was wearing. I think it was like a Chicago Bears cap, which they mm-hmm. may have had him wearing in Egypt, the black cap. And there were right. one or two other things that were like, oh, that the cab in general, when he jumps in the cab, too, that may have been a nod to uh, to Jake. So something to keep an eye on as we move yeah. forward. 
we met we met some gods here. TK, we met mm-hmm. uh, what Hathor, Horus, Osiris, Isis, and uh, Teth, and we got a, a cool council of the gods moment. Which, okay, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But I gotta be I gotta be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed here with Conchu at this moment. It's like Conchu went into this yeah. this council with like without a plan. It's like yeah. you're, you're going to court and you're just gonna yell right here, bro. Come on, like he's just screaming. He has no. And all Arthur Harrow had to do at that moment was just act sort of like a calm, yeah. rational person. And they were like, I think this was on the Ringerverse on one of them. They're like, Conchu, you couldn't just say, "Hey, go look at where this guy is right now." He's literally <laughs> like digging her up right now. He's got a whole crew of people right now. Just go, just go check out where he is. But like, yeah, he could have. He couldn't even do that. It didn't make any sense, and they knew the stakes were very high going into it. They knew it was like a he, life he or death. This is all or nothing. He tells <laughs> so, us at the very beginning, "I don't have opportunities. I have to make sure that the case I present is is excellent, or else they're gonna uh, they're gonna trap me in stone forever." Exactly. <laughs> so, so that was one of my really shit the bed. Yeah, one of my few <laughs> gripes maybe is in that I don't know maybe that the point they're trying to tell us that the he's sort of stupid and he's not necessarily mm-hmm. as um I don't know be able to, he's not smart and able to plan it out as some of the others but that was one of the parts one of the, my few gripes in the episode where I'm just looking like sure. come on like really come on <laughs> you got to have a little bit more of a plan here they uh, they made him sure look stupid in that one but they made this show look very very good throughout I was excited Little little mm-hmm. small things too, like they had the music when they came in it was DJ Kabu, who's an Egyptian rapper. You know, yeah. when, uh, when the Marvel MCU title and the and the the sequence um, the the title screen rolls on, but that was really cool. It, you know, I just this is a, what the second or third time I think through some of these shows where I'm like, how can I not be thinking of Aladdin right now when he's just you know, <laughs> literally jumping rooftop to rooftop at the very beginning of this of this uh, episode where we see Mark. There's a, a cool knife fight sequence and yeah, another, another great knife fight for the MCU. The first yep. real big one since, uh, you know, Captain America winter soldier. Yeah, absolutely. So great stuff here. We're in the great pyramid at Giza. We have the gods at the council and we, I mean, we get to see a lot of like real Egypt, like you said, and, and from all, all sides we're looking at the oldest at one point we show up into an arena uh where mogar is another one of these like ancient collectors and there's this incredible fencing competition happening which is like one of the oldest fencing competitions in egypt and this guy is so fascinated and so intrigued by ancient cultures that he actually has people come and train him in these Egyptian like fencing games and matches and stuff. It's like this. Some of these people that Layla deals with, and you know, in my head, I just keep thinking about the power broker, like you said, with magic mm-hmm. horror. It's like, oh, it's like this whole world of of illegal stolen artifacts, and you know, you you even think about Killmonger. Right. Like, it, it reminds yeah. me a lot of Killmonger and in, in what Layla like because Layla and Killmonger were very similar in. Sort of what they want to do. They wanted to get those ancient cultures, artifacts, and the things that that were actually for them, and give it back to them. And yeah. so 
it's always one of those weird things where it's like, oh, you spin Killmonger like he's a really bad guy, but Layla kind of has the same purpose, yet she's presented like a good person. Um, it's just kind of all how you present them. Um, well, I guess it's also it, it, you got to factor in what they're doing too, right? She, she's I'm not sure just trying to get people. them back. She's yeah. not necessarily trying to have like a grand power herself, uh, like a like maybe Killmonger is, but yeah, you know, that we know always, of. That we, that we know of, maybe Layla. Layla, yeah. Layla is more gifted, you know. Then I think mm-hmm. they just led us on to believe right off the bat, thinking Layla was a significant other of of Mark. We find out she's badass herself. Yeah. Like she can fight. She's got this family history. Her name mm-hmm. means something, and maybe there is something to why Khonshu has her picked out as perhaps his next avatar. Like we're yeah. we're seeing that there might be something. Down the line, there's a mystery. So, yeah, there's a mystery there for sure with her lineage and maybe some power or something, or maybe she's not what we think she is uh, as of now. I, I keep thinking multiple personalities and mm-hmm. getting the rug pulled under from us. Uh, is there a character that we've been introduced now? Maybe it is Layla, maybe it's not Layla, but is there someone that we've met who is not real or is is po- another personality of Mark's? That's something that I keep going back to in my head. Maybe I'm reaching for that, but. You never know with this type of storytelling. Tim, uh, before we begin our full deep dive, it w- I have to mention the really, really tragic passing of Gaspar yeah. Luliel, the who, who actually plays the uh, character Midnight Man in mm-hmm. in this episode. Just a really, really tragic skiing accident for a guy who, man, you you just watch him in the little bit that he's in here. It's like, yeah. wow, this guy is like really good looking, really talented. He's someone who it just anyone with their life taken so early it is such a tragic, uh, such a tragic happening and so, so sad. So um, had to at least mention it. We saw the uh, the yeah. tribute and in, in memory of and this is someone who, gosh, he, you get to this point and it's like he's in this show and you yeah. figure he might have this entire world of years and years and years of these projects ahead of him. It's a big ticket. Yeah, it is. Gosh, it, it's it, like right it, when you make it, you make it there, and then and then something horrible like that happens to you. You just you just wonder why, you know? Yeah, and it, it, it's a shame. And like we kind of mentioned similarly, and maybe this is a little bit too Marvel centric, but uh, when we were watching Loki, um, forgive me, the actor's wife passed, and we were kind of talking mm-hmm. about that. Man, you have this great career up. Uh, this high, and then was it Richard Grant's personal low? Yeah, Richard, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then here again, you know, getting this big part, this like villain in the Marvel movie, and it, like if if people don't know, Midnight Man is essentially like if if Moon Knight is Batman, Midnight Man is Joker. Like that's the main villain. Uh, so he would have had uh, a lot to, a lot of work coming his way, and then mm-hmm. who knows what what he had in store for him in his overall career and his life, and it's just a, a shame and a tragedy anytime someone passes away early. But you know, it's it adds another layer of tragedy when when there's so much at the, the person's feet. You know, it's like when Kobe Bryant died. You know, this yeah. guy just he just got to that point in his life where he's gonna enjoy everything that he's worked for for so long and you know, mm-hmm. open up all these new doors and Gosh. when that gets cut all short the, that's always all the tragic. struggle all the work you put in and you make it you get there yeah and you, you said you just don't get to to enjoy it but um he will be Life. remembered yeah. and uh, and that's that's one of those things about 
uh, being in great movies and TV shows is that he will be remembered yeah. forever. People will watch this back forever. And uh, and they'll always, even if it was just very short, he will always be a part of the MCU and a part of Moon Knight. And it's just so sad to think of uh, what could have been for Anton Mogart, a.k.a. Midnight Man, this character that was played by uh, this fantastic actor, Gaspard Ulliel. So very sad news there and something that we uh, we wanted to mention and pay some respects to him before we jump into our deep dive, our recap and review of episode three. We head to Egypt and we kick off episode three of Moon Knight with our previously on. And then we open up, TK. I love what they did here. It was like a blurry Right when it starts, yeah. it's like blurry. It's like right when you wake up, kind of when you mm-hmm. open your eyes. And it also is sort of like what we've been seeing every time Steven or Mark would have a blackout. Kind of right yeah. away, they'd like wake back up. It's a little bit blurry. They open their eyes. It's like little things like that that are incredible. I, I stopped it and, and went back like three or four times just to watch the opening and see how it would come from the blurry mm-hmm. all the way in. And what... There are so many layers to it right It's like when you're opening your eyes It's like the flash between the blackouts And then we see that there's actually A fake ID being made So we see the process of the camera Actually like Clearing back up So it's all of these different layers of like Her being out of focus And then coming into focus And then Layla's talking Through the process of We don't really know initially who she's talking to And then we find out that it's a, a woman named Legaro and mm-hmm. Layla is talking, you know, while a fake ID is being made and she's sitting in front of the white background, you know, she says, I found him with the scarab living 20 minutes from our old place. Now he's probably going to get himself killed running around Kylo, uh, running around Cairo. And the woman is talking back and forth with her. She said, that's why you look so unhappy to be going home. Are you not worried you've burned too many bridges, all those stolen relics and cheeky antiques? Layla kind of goes back and forth with her I don't steal, they've already been stolen That's what people forget, I take them off the black market And return them to their rightful owners I mean, that's Robin Hood Yeah, (laughs) That's Robin Hood, that's Killmonger right Right? there Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly there And then she jokes, I may keep a few To pay the bills I thought this was really cool Seeing the whole process Like, I mean, we're actually, Mm -hmm. while she's talking With Layla and Legaro are speaking We're seeing the pictures being taken, we're seeing the process of like the holograms from being placed onto the ID, all of the security features being placed onto these IDs and these passports. And it's intriguing to me because I guess the statute of limitations is up. I had a buddy that used to do this and he was like <laughs> very sharp. And so he would he like taught it to me and he had this system. Man, I had a fake when I was 16 that was black light <laughs> and scannable. And it was perfect. Like I looked like I was a twelve-year-old kid. Wow! And I was walking in bars, and nobody could say a word because my ID was perfect. And it was really funny. I actually lost it one time, and somebody—it it had my actual address on it. And somebody wow. dropped it back at my house and put it in my mailbox. And my mom <laughs> found it, and she's like, "What the?" You know, I was like, "That seven, is classic." Not even seventeen, but but what's cool is like six. Two weeks later, I was gonna say six weeks, not even. I took two weeks later. I just made myself a new one, so it was lost. It was, it was really funny to see this whole thing because I can remember a lot of days doing this. Dude, my, my one of my buddies was a man. He would get um, at this point when he went into college, he was help doing a lot of them, and people would sort of 
call him over from um, so when he left high school and he would go to he went to college there were some of the people from high school that went to different colleges that were his friends mm. and and it was like this this like um like pyramid scheme sort of pay it forward thing where like Tim you would go to your freshman year and and he would say like oh hey if you get me like 20 people I'll charge you way less and you can keep a bunch of the money you know, so then you would go and get like 20 of your friends and you'd get their information and you'd send them to him. And then this guy would have all the information just sent perfectly to him. He really wouldn't have to do any of the work for it. And he'd <laughs> he'd make them all. He'd send them back to you. And then you'd make a ton of money. And you're like, hell, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to go find you 20 more people, you know. And so <laughs> it would just end up being like insane. My buddy was wow. doing different states he had like texas and arizona and like all these different <laughs> ones that he was doing it was just it was hilarious to see but the process of this is fascinating to me i i love seeing just the inner workings of things like this and i'm kind of curious as we had the back and forth legaro said something i wonder what your father would think of his little scarab now yeah. i can't believe he'd let you t- he let you Teach me how to do all of these things uh, Or you know Along those lines between The back and forth between the two of them So I'm curious mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like her mom right This is like a family friend or someone like that I wasn't sure I know that this Legaro is from the comics I don't yeah. know if it's just a nod uh, Like a, 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 a Just reference or if it's going to be More important here uh, But yeah I, I they're, they're yeah. definitely They're nodding again to that uh, family history and something going on, and the way that she calls her uh, uh, his little scarab—that, I mean, that has to be significant in some sense. I don't know what that means, but it's—it it points to, I think, Layla being special in some way. She like she is like this uh, rare artifact. So, the two of them finish up their uh, the fake the fake ID process, and Legaro. She tells Layla, you know, it's hard. It's a hard thing exhuming the pain of the past. It's easy to get stuck and to fixate on what's hurt us. She says, I miss him too, but that's your baggage, not mine. Avoid your old haunts. Call me sentimental, but I worry about you. Have a good trip, love. So she's just kind of telling her, look, you've got, you're going there for a reason, right? You haven't been back home in 10 years. There's a lot of stuff emotionally that's probably going to spark you. But you're going back there to help Mark to find Mark to to get you know you have a purpose. So I think Legaro's just a little bit worried because like anyone, right? When you go home, all of this these emotions come over you. It's this wave. It's not like you're just going down the street to a random place. Like she's going home where she hasn't been for ten years. She's got all this family history. Hell, there might even be people looking for her. Right. And then w- when they when she does arrive, she kind of makes reference to uh that people don't like her they're they're giving her looks and things like that so what is the history there like what did she did she steal from people did is she responsible for hurting some people uh, the locals there there's definitely some history uh with her and her family and and uh that, that goes back in egypt so the marvel mcu title intro comes up now and this is the dj kaboom music who is an egyptian rapper uh really cool really just authentic you get the feel when the title comes up, okay, we're in Egypt. It's just like a little signal. Like, oh, okay, here we are. And so now we spend this episode in Egypt and in like Tim mentioned a few different times, in different ways. We get the desert, yeah. we get sort of the old ancient 
inside the pyramid And then we get this new modernized Sort of downtown version We also see like the marketplaces too It feels like we get just a great glimpse Of all these different parts of, uh, of Egypt And in the desert Arthur and his followers are searching for Amit And Arthur's using the scarab to, to show him the way It's like a compass, it's sort of leading him He's following it And they arrive at the point where he believes they found Amit They all start to cheer, they all start to celebrate But one of his followers alerts him that Mark Spector is in Cairo But Arthur does not seem too worried But uh, not a not a huge scene with Arthur and his followers But it, we just we find the moment where they feel like they have arrived um, and found Amit So this is the process that Arthur wants to, to have happen He wants to resurrect Amit And he hopes that Amit will basically perform a uh, Thanos-like genocide Killing all the <laughs> bad people and taking out half of the world Or all those people who have had bad thoughts Yeah, and it, it seems like they're uh, they know where to go, but they don't know exactly where to go. Like the the scarab mm-hmm. got them near where they need to go, but it, yep. they, they they can't find the exact entrance to this thing. Yep. Um. And uh, like, I love come the on, um... GPS. What the hell, man? Seriously, like <laughs> right. it, you know, you pull up. It's like is it this house or is it that house? It's like is it there's a house behind that one? What are you telling me here? You know. <laughs> Doesn't didn't gods make this thing? Like what's going on? It's looking powerful. Uh, but he's kind of like uh, Moses uh, in this. He's you know leading his people through the desert. And I, I saw like I be- it too. You're right. I believe it was New Rockstar is always a great resource for uh, analysis mm-hmm. on this stuff. Uh, pointed out that red. There's a, a theme of red uh, motif that they use. What is the same shade of red? Uh, across every uh, like all the bad guys, all the villains or potential. Bad guys in the in the show so far have had a similar shade of red that connects to kind of Wanda's red, uh, her Scarlet Witch uh, uh, tones. So perhaps there's a little connection there. There's also I saw pointed out uh, when we see magic with Arthur Arthur Harrow that we see um, uh, like a more of a purple hue, uh, which is very much connected to um, uh, 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 what's her name, the witch from from Wanda. Agatha, Agatha, all it was Agatha all along. It was Agatha a of, all along. Yeah, a lot of um, the multiverse the magic. The pur- yeah, the, the purples. Yeah, I think I saw. I might have been seeing that what thing you're talking about. The color scheme in the MCU, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, the purples. Now we get to see are this sort of dark magic, kind of. You know, it's like a mm-hmm. evil magic, and we sort of saw some of that in in Doctor Strange. The visuals in this episode. I thought we're very we're, yeah. we're really kind of cool and we see them towards the end uh the end also but and I think the reds too sorry the the no, reds no. not not only connected scarlet witch and her 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 colors but her chaos her magic chaos I magic. And we have they, yep. they've pointed to the chaos magic also you know or the there being chaos in um uh Steven so or, or Mark or whoever <laughs> you know uh, that so perhaps there's some more connection there. There's also obviously you know the Red Sea Moses. There's that connection as well. So a lot of attention to detail going into the cinematography and the uh, the production design on this. I love it. We then pick up with Mark one jump ahead of the law man one jump ahead of the, <laughs> it's like I mean, it's definitely like he's just riff rap street rat he's running from rooftop to rooftop right here just looking yeah. like Aladdin man I'm just hearing the songs in my head if only they look closer so Mark arrives on three men 
who just kill someone. Like yeah. he he rolls up on these three criminal sort of thieves. They all have knives. One of them is like a sixteen years old ish, probably fourteen to sixteen, young young looking kid. And Mark, it's funny he doesn't. He's not like, oh no, stop. He's like, oh, did you kill that guy? I needed to talk to him. <laughs> just like really nonchalant about it. It is like, oh. And what's funny about this is, in in a lot of action movies, I mean, hell, like any fight, boxing movie, like over the top with Sylvester Stallone, any Mortal Kombat, uh, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee type movie, there's always the person who wants to be like the bad guy who wants to show off. You know, they'll they'll be up there. They'll be like, like they'll show you all the things they can do, and then you know they'll just get punched or kicked. And that reminded me of this guy here with the knife, who's like throwing the knife up, and he's like, yeah, dancing all around and like he's licking the knife and stuff. And Mark's like, are are we dancing or are we fighting? Like, what are we gonna do here? You know, it's this, it's this. I, I can't remember what it, it's the street fight. It's this fight dancing thing. It's Brazilian. <laughs> it's just, <come> on, <laughs> capoeira. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, this this made it me reminded talk. me of uh, of Raiders of that classic scene in Raiders where the exactly. guy's twirling his sword and he just pulls out his gun, and shoots him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this. There's like something in um, Friends where Ross has a scene where he's like, it's this, it's this dance fighting. It's Intense, you get beautiful. You know, it was just it reminded me of that. As uh, the fight begins, and one of the yeah, one of these three is a, a child, but this is really cool. They're throwing knives. Mark's got to fight them all off. At one point, Mark he he has a chance to really lay one in on the youngest of the three, and you could see he <laughs> instead of punching him he opens his hand and he just like slaps him <laughs> like pulls a will smith on him pulls a will smith he open hands him right keep my family out your mouth and he slaps <laughs> him right across the face i thought this was a really cool fight sequence mark keys in some real heavy punches and then he takes the knife at one point and he's about to kill one of them but while he's got the knife he can see in the reflection of the knife yeah. steven and Steven starts screaming at him, Mark, don't do it. Mark, don't do it. Stop. And as Mark pauses for a moment to think and to reflect, he gets wailed from the back of the head, right from behind. And he gets knocked out. And as he's kind of like falling over, all of a sudden now there's a time jump. He's in the back of a cab. He doesn't know what the hell happened. <laughs> he's like super confused. So we're kind of getting like we're getting a little bit more now as to when these kind of blackouts happen. It feels like a lot of the time it's when there's heightened intensity anytime that he has like a head issue or there's a Mm -hmm. a bump on his head almost like the head trauma will like flip flip another personality back and forth. So we're getting like little context clues and little tidbits here, but. These flashes, as much as you're sort of prepared for them, they're jarring every time they happen. Yeah, and it's such a cool convention, too. I keep thinking about how the filmmakers get, can use it as a cheat, and it, it, it doesn't feel like a cheat as an audience member. Because like, we the, know like, we can just, that is par- yeah. part of the story, right? It's like, wait, what the hell just happened? No, you know? Like, yeah. But I feel like there'll be some of these things that we may see 
that did you know like at some point mm-hmm. we may go we may see, yeah we may see what happened yeah. because this is where you're really starting to get the clues tim what you mentioned earlier that you're starting to get the sense of that third personality in here now yeah yeah, and like you mentioned before, Jake Lockley background being like the, a cabbie, I think a New York City cabbie. Um, is this Jake Lockley a little bit more Travis Bickle in this version? Is that why he's so just brutally murdering people? Because he's got like a, a brutal vigilante kind of a vibe. Uh, I think that would be really cool. <laughs> so, again, like now we're seeing it from Mark's point of view. Which we haven't really in the first couple episodes We've seen it from Steven's point of view When he wakes up from these Blackouts and like what the hell happened Now we're seeing it from Mark's point of view And all of a sudden Mark's in the back of a cab He says something to the cab driver Who responds to him in Arabic Mark doesn't even like know what language He's talking He's like this is, this is sort of This reminds me of uh, I had a buddy uh, When I was in high school Playing soccer at LaSalle One of our buddy One of my buddies was Croatian Who was on the team Michael Gerbervok Great player Was one of the better players On our team And he was like The most polite Nice guy in the world But when you When you The game would start He was intense Like the guy would Elbow you Punch you in the face And like <laughs> But then as soon as the game stopped, he would be like, I'm so sorry, and, like, give you a big hug. It was really funny. <laughs> One time we were playing in a game, and he was, like, the other team was really, like, cheap-shotting him a lot and kind of kicking him in the back and, like, doing lots of little things. And he was really frustrated, which he, he didn't really get uh, that much. And he ran over to me and my coach who were sitting on the sidelines, and he was, like, he started to talk, and he just spoke in Croatian. He was, like, so <laughs> flustered. He he couldn't even really tell which language he was speaking in. He came out and blah, blah blah, and and then he stopped for a second. He's like, "Coach, they're fouling me. They just keep fouling me." And it was just, I'll never forget it. I'll always laugh at like the time that Michael forgot that he was speaking, you know, Croatian. Like he just came over and it just came out naturally because he was like flustered and frustrated. It sort of That's reminded amazing. me of this where Mark's like, "What the hell? Like, where are you taking me?" In the cab driver's like airport. And so you could see the wheels kind of spinning for Mark. He's like, airport, wait, hmm, hmm. And then as he's thinking, he sees those people that he was just fighting. Two of them, though. He sees the kid and one of the other ones there. And so he immediately gets out of the cab. He's like, stop, stop, stop. He's trying to piece everything together. Like, imagine if you, you know, if you you were thinking about your day and there were just lapses throughout your day. You're like, well, I was at the store and then I showed up. At this person's house? How did that happen? Like, you know, that's what he's trying to do here. So he's just trying Mm -hmm. to get more information from these people who he was in the middle of a a fight with. And now they seem terrified of him. The kid in particular. Like, they don't want anything to do with him. He tries to approach him. He said, hey, look, I just want to know what happened. And he chases after him. He tries to plead with them. He's running through the streets, running through the marketplace. They're knocking into vendors. They're knocking over food carts. And as Mark catches up with one of them, he's like punching him aggressively and he's choking him. And this is the first moment where I was like, is this Mark? Right. Because he's the the way that he speaks, the the accent sounds a little bit different when he's fighting this dude. And now and you kind of think about it like Mark just seconds before felt like he was trying to get information from these guys, not kill them. Now this guy doesn't seem like this per this right here didn't seem like he wanted to get anything out of them. He just seemed like he was trying to kill these people. And I wonder, yeah. you know, who could it be? Is that if, is that 
is could it be Khonshu? Sure. Sorry to interject no, that here. I know absolutely. we're going one way. No. That's another thing because Khonshu is so just about killing bad people, right? So mm-hmm. maybe this maybe this is Khonshu or maybe this is a side of you know Mark and Steven that uh, that is more influenced by Khonshu. I love that we don't know, and I love that it's like we yeah. said. Is it a different version of him? Is there a new personality? Is it Conchu? Is it just Mark uh, amped up a little bit more? It felt a little bit different, and I like I like what they're doing with this. And and in in a mirror, Mark sees Stephen, and it's again the same moment where right as Mark is about to either kill this person or win the battle here, he pauses. And he gets attacked from behind by one of the other men. He ends up on the floor, and then he hits the floor, and he there's a blackout. There's another time jump, and all of a sudden, Mark is standing with a knife is in his hands, and he's literally just killed one of these three men. Like yeah. he 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 wakes back up as this knife is being pulled out after stabbing this dude. And he's so confused. Like he's <laughs> actually saying, "Stephen, what did you do? Stephen, what did you do?" He's He's actually accusing Steven of having done this. Right, because Mark wants to he wants to interrogate these people. So, like, it goes against, uh, you know, what he wants, his motivation here. It doesn't make sense. To just kill these guys. And now he doesn't yeah. have the info. And then all that's left is that one kid. So Mark says, I swear, or Steven says, that wasn't me. And Mark's like, who was it? And And now we see behind Mark, the younger kid. Is on the floor and he's sort of getting up And he's he's trying to move And Mark Throws down the knife and he grabs The kid and now Conchu speaks to him And he says take him to the ledge Mark says he's just a kid Conchu says he'll talk So Mark walks this kid over to the to this Ledge he's standing right Off of this big cliff and he Holds him by the scarf around His neck and he's sort of You know like like you would be holding Someone up I swear, if you don't give me this information, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. And the kid doesn't care. He, This is like Hail Hydra, right? He yeah. just says, praise Amit. He cuts himself loose, and the kid falls to his death, knowing he's going to die basically for the greater cause, for what he thinks is the greater good. So these are the kind of organizations and bad people that are really terrifying because you – they're not scared of you killing them. Right. They're zealots. They're true believers. And they're willing to martyr themselves for the cause. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a tough uh, that's a tough enemy to face. And you've got sense. a group of uh, people who aren't afraid to die, who walk on broken glass. I mean, these are some right like extreme extremists here as <laughs> it's not funny because the guy died. But it it was pretty. It's funny when Conchu just goes, mm, "Yeah, I, I thought he'd talk." <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, the kid just, just matter died. of fact about it. It is well, he just died, and uh, that that right there to me, I think represents a lot of. It's a perfect little snapshot of who Conchu is, right? Right, just like what you were saying. He he genuinely does only go after the bad people and the people who have done bad, but like he. Like he doesn't really care. Like it's a, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we just we screwed up. No biggie, you know. Like he yeah. doesn't. He's not driven driven by this incredible moral compass, but he does seem to be 
motivated by good more than bad. But it's like yeah. it's it's really funny because he's just like, oh, OK, well, he's dead. No, no, no. We'll just move on. <laughs> I thought I just he doesn't have that. compassion. Like no. he doesn't have compassion or benevolence, but he does seem more aligned overall with good. Yes. Like in a lesser of two evils kind of a way. Yes. That's a great way of putting it. And Mark says, what the hell is wrong with you, Steven? And Steven's like me. You're the one going on a killing spree. And Mark's like, I didn't do any of this. So now this is this really cool back and forth where neither of these guys knows what's happening. He says, listen, if you got a problem, listen, if you've got a problem with the body count, I suggest you stop listening to that stupid pigeon. So Mark tells Steven to stay out of his way. And then Mark, this is just cool to me. Like the Mark and Conchu just talking in the broad daylight and Conchu's just sitting on a car. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they're just chatting. Like two friends would be like you and I would be sitting there having a smoke, you know, just, just talking. And he's like, uh, what if we can't find heroes digging crew? We're going to have to stop them another way. So what about the other gods? They're just going to stand by and allow someone to unleash Amit. Khonshu explains, to signal for an audience with the gods is to risk their wrath. Mark's like, why? What? What? so big deal? Like, what, What's going to happen? Khonshu says, to anger them. They, if I anger them enough, they'll imprison me in stone. And Mark kind of jokes. That's that doesn't foreshadowing. Sound, yeah. And he says, that doesn't sound so <laughs> bad to me. Khonshu kind of jokes back with him. Okay, fine. See how well you do against Hero without the protection of my healing armor, which is something now that we're going to find come into play. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first times the armor's really been mentioned. And, yeah. and the now healing specifically. We that, know at the end power. of the episode, if he's not around, I start to ask the mm-hmm. question, is that armor going to be available? Is he still going to be able to use that healing armor if Khonshu's imprisoned? I and presume he, no. Yeah, so that's something that was just like important exposition here in the episode. Little little tidbits here that that are are not sent uh, for uh, for no reason or they're not coincidental. But luckily, luckily we have seen uh, Mark handle himself without that armor. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen him take out guys. He's 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 capable. He himself right? is and a mercenary. We, yeah, the Mark and we, it, the mm-hmm. version of Mark without the Moon Knight suit is a trained badass. Exactly. And Steven's a genius. He's got all this information that can be very relevant. So, so they together, do have tools. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they all have to it's, it's a, a Seinfeld together. They are the perfect man. You know, George, <laughs> George and Jerry. <laughs> that's, that's basically who these two are. And you sort of get that feeling with from Layla, you know, a couple of times throughout this episode where she's like, hey, we need Steven over here. You know, Steven, this is this is Steven's game. You know, this is something right. that, that Steven does pretty well. And uh, there might be a little something there. So Khonshu says, okay, I've got a bad idea. You know, Mark asks if he has any ideas. Khonshu's got a bad one. And it's not even an idea. It's just, I'm going to do this. He goes and he makes, he, he eclipses the sun. It's the, the sky goes dark. There's darkness all around. And Khonshu said he's sending the gods a signal that they can't ignore. And, uh, you can see people in the area looking at the eclipse as the the as the the shadow sort of falls over mm-hmm. the land. One of Harrow's and over at the dig site, the darkness hits them immediately, and Harrow can can sense that it was Conshu, which is uh, you're getting desperate, old bird. And he tells his crew to keep digging, and he feels like he's about to be called upon, but 
back to Mark, who's like, nah, that's a little bit dramatic, right? A little over the top, don't you think? Conchu says, you know, I got to had to do something to to make them, you know, to, to to get their attention. And so what ends up happening now is there is a meeting of the Ineed. And when this happens, a portals all over the world present themselves for the avatars of the gods. And we have this big council of the gods, this meeting where it's like a court hearing. And this next few moments was was pretty cool. Conchu talks about how the last time he spoke to the gods, they banished him. Our case against Hero must be indisputable. And a portal just opens up out of nowhere. And Mark gets ready to walk in. He asks if Conchu is going to be there. And Conchu says, oh, I'll be there. As Mark enters the Great Pyramid of Giza. And you could, the Steven personality yes. <laughs> is just like gushing. It's like, oh my God, oh my Giddy. God. We're, we're inside. <laughs> oh my God, we're inside the Great Pyramid of Giza. Oh my God. And he's like freaking out. He's just like marveling at this site. And we meet up early on with Yotzel. So Yotzel is the avatar, uh, the avatar of Hathor. And I believe the gods that we meet at this moment are Hathor, who's the goddess of music and love. We meet Horus, Osiris, Isis, and there's one more that I, I didn't. I got to Tef- get the name. Tefnut? Tefnut. Tef- I don't know. I, had, yeah. I, te- I Not think sure I had how to pronounce that. Tef and then just finished and finished. But yeah, those, those are the ones that we meet and that we hear speak a little bit. And it seems like right away that Hathor and Khonshu have some sort of a history and in diving into it they actually were romantically tethered mm-hmm. in ancient egyptian history i believe um hathor was sort of the goddess of not only the music and love but i think it was also like the sky yeah and, and exactly and so she had ties in with Khonshu. they were basically you know like uh, you know, one in one a, a couple through a lot of things. So this is something that Yotzel references, but Mark doesn't seem to know, or Mark hasn't been, uh, Mark hasn't been aware of, of of any of the the past relationships of Conchu. So I'm I'm curious right away about. It's one thing we are always curious in the MCU, right? Like it, there's got to be more here with Hathor with Yotzel, and I'm wondering, are they actually? Someone who wants to help Mark and Conchu, or is this someone who is maybe on the Arthur side and is is trying to to screw over Mark and and Conchu? Yeah, I, I saw uh, some videos uh, maybe uh, suggesting that, uh, and I, I, I it's not something I picked up on myself, but I could totally see that being the case that the old uh, bait and switch here because she does seem like at this point amongst the Ennead like the only friendly the only lifeline that he has. So it would be like kind of the ultimate irony and a betrayal to have that kind of pulled out from under him. So they're inside and Mark has now met Hathor or slash Yatzel. Yatzel is the avatar for the God Hathor. And she actually says it was not so long ago. Conchu enjoyed Hathor's melodies. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I've enjoyed a few melodies in my day, TK. <laughs> I love, Euphemisms. I love, I love yeah. that, right? It just made me chuckle. And uh, Mark didn't, as far as I know, the only melody Conchu enjoys is the sound of pain. Yeah. So they 
council, they, this hearing basically begins. And as it does, Yatzel tells Mark, uh, hey, try not to fight this. It's a strange sensation, but you'll get used to it. And we see these gods now take over the bodies of their avatars. We see Horus, Isis, Tefnut, Osiris, and Hathor. They're all here to, uh, to hear the account of Khonshu. So the spirits of these gods enters the avatars and there's this moment where you can kind of see them all like and their eyes like light up a little bit and Osiris begins to talk. He says, you've been banished once for nearly exposing us, Khonshu, and you know we despise your garishness, your showy masks and weapons, but manipulate the sky again and we will imprison you in stone. And then Khonshu. That was big big right there. That was. uh, Just the showy masks and weapons. Uh, it, it's obviously just referring to Moon Knight, but it tells us that none of the other gods play those games. Uh, they've been staying out of the affairs of man. It's kind of like what they did with the Eternals. They're explaining the motivations here of why you know they haven't intervened in all the stuff we've seen in the MCU thus far. Uh, it's because they've got their own agenda and they they, they want to stay out of it. And that's you know kind of uh, par for the course amongst these uh, gods. It seems. Um, and a little bit different from the Asgardians, right, who have more of a sense of like protecting and uh, like an ownership and a sense of, of Midgard and Earth. And you know, they feel this is kind like, of eternal Z, right? And this is mm-hmm. sort of like the T, uh, the TVA, right? Like the Watchers, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they yeah, it's a bureaucracy for sure. <laughs> yeah. What we're getting is now we're starting to get introduced to a lot of these groupings of people that we are like. Where the hell were you when Thanos was going mm-hmm. was around, right? Like you, you couldn't step in at all at that point. And yeah. they have a very, you know, similar way of saying it. We decided long ago we did not wish to meddle in the affairs of man. The avatars that remain are simply meant to observe. And they earlier on say, you know, tr- we trust our avatars to carry out our purposes without calling undue attention to ourselves. But when Khonshu speaks, he just screams through Mark, spare me your self-righteous threats. <laughs> I was like, banished for not abandoning abandoning humanity, unlike the rest of you. Hmm, okay. He's he's already shit the bed, by the way. If you come oh, out yeah. screaming, spare me you've your lost your composure. Like, that was like, <laughs> and he's threatening. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you just you're not going to win anybody over. Screaming, threatening. They ask. For him to to speak his purpose, uh, purpose. So he's he speaks here with Horus a little bit, Osiris, and then uh, Tenafoot, and he says that he calls for judgment against Arthur Harrow because of conspiracy to release Amit. They said that's a heavy accusation, so they want to summon him. That's my only problem with this. It's like these gods can't see what he's doing. Literally, right. they just they can't see what Harrow is doing. Are are they part of it? Are they? Yeah, how are you- I, how are you a god if you're not omnipresent? You're telling me you literally can't like if this is what Conchu says, can't you just take one second and go look and be like, oh yeah, he's right. Right. They got a whole bunch of people there looking for Amit's Amit's tomb. They're trying to resurrect Amit. I, I that's the only I know we're supposed to suspend our disbelief for a lot of these things, but that was one thing that just didn't feel like it it added up a whole lot when yeah. we're we're seeing these all powerful gods and they they can't just take a little look over, but Hero shows up. And the thing about this, uh, the Arthur Harrow character, he, Ethan Hawke is so good about with him. He just, he's always so cool, you know, and calm. 
and collected yeah. for a guy who's a super extremist. You know, he just he knows he's like experienced, so it, it, he knows how to try to get his point across in dealing with people. This is a guy who's got a lot of followers. It's not by accident. It's because he knows how to manipulate people. Right. It's like if you want someone to listen to you shouting, screaming at them. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to actually speak with a low voice and get people to kind of lean in. And then they're they're more engaged with what you're saying. If you shout, people can just instinctively want to look away. And and, And they want to shout back and they want to defend themselves. It's like exactly it's it's volatile. It becomes hostile. You know, Mm -hmm. with with this, the difference between when. Like you said, when Conchu comes in and he's uh, spare me yourself, it's oh, you're done, you're done. Right. Yeah, it's it's over at that point. You're like, done from the jump. Hera walks in and he goes, "Oh, I see by the presence of Conchu's current makeshift avatar, the purposes of our meeting must be nefarious." And Conchu, you know exactly why we are here. He's like screaming at him. He's already throwing shade too, Hera. Is but makeshift avatar, like yeah. very just just shade. Yeah. Hero says, I must admit, I do not miss the sound of that voice, but speak, old master, to the point. And Conchu just asked, do you not seek to release Amit from her tomb? And Arthur's like, no, no. I was like, no, you know, no, no. Wait, what is that from? That's a uh, reference to something. I'm I like, know. Um, I can see the face. Uh, it's so good. I can see the face that the guy makes right now when he says it. No, or is that a Norm Macdonald? Like, is that Norm Macdonald? Yes, from, that's uh, Norm Macdonald. That's Norm Macdonald from Dirty Work. Dirty Work. Hundred percent. No. 100%. <laughs> is this like Norm? Is it, is that one of those times where you mean no, but you actually mean yes? No. And exactly. he's like smiling. Yeah, that's what it was. Shout out, R.I.P. Rest Norm. In peace. Uh, yeah. So Arthur says, "I was in the desert, but if visiting sands were a crime." The line of sinners would be longer than the Nile. And <laughs> Conchu, uh, Arthur continues on. He says, Conchu has searched for Amit's tomb since he ensnared me to his service. Hmm. His vision is obscured by jealousy, paranoia, and his Conchu won't even let him continue. He is a deceiver. <laughs> like, you got to let <laughs> someone talk, man. And then you, you let them go and then you can present your case right, right. afterwards. You know, you don't. You're just coming off so unprofessional here, Conchu. And that's what Arthur and that Harrow is trying to do here. He knows yeah. that Conchu is going to sort of screw it up. He's been with Conchu. Yeah. So he knows what he's going to do. Conchu's going to get too emotional. He's going to get too intense. And Arthur's going to end up looking like the good guy here. That's exactly what happens. Arthur just says, do not trust the word of a shamed God. Conchu is unhinged and his servant is unwell. Now, this part was this was sad a little bit because this is something we see in society. Mark slash Steven, this character is a character that's suffering from mental health issues and has like a split personality. And we do see in society that people who struggle with some of those issues, they don't get taken as seriously a lot of the time. Because discredited, it's very easy to do what Arthur just did and say, "Oh, hey, how do we even know what they're saying is true?" Right? Right. We don't even know if that the person doesn't. They don't even know who they are. So how are we going to listen to them? And it's yeah. The this is the part that I thought was sort of was really sad. Is Arthur says this man literally does not know his own name. 
He has a marriage certificate under the name Mark Spector. And Conchu just keeps screaming, liar, stop, shut up. Arthur says, I've seen him speak to himself and threaten himself. I have no idea how many personalities he must possess. This man is clearly insane. And when he says insane, Conchu walks over in the Mark body and throws a punch at Arthur. Like he just literally <laughs> tries to throw a Throw a right hook at him He takes a big swing at him But the punch is stopped by Osiris Who says we will not tolerate Violence in this chamber And this is the perfect moment for Arthur To just keep pouring it on He says look brings me no pleasure to tell you This is a deeply troubled man Conchu is taking advantage of him The same way that he abused me The way that he aspires to abuse this court Take action now Before it is too late This is a great manipulating here from from Arthur and Arthur knew he didn't he wasn't even gonna have to do anything right he was like he just like threw the ball out there and he was like I'm just gonna roll this thing out there and Conchu's gonna do the rest yeah just give him enough rope will hang himself and that's exactly yeah. what happened right there he just he I mean Conchu seemed unhinged and then Arthur gets to go look he's unhinged <laughs> and it, it, it just plays right into his hand there uh, and then it, he gets to you know. Defend himself via an ad hominem attack. Really, he he gets to say, "Oh, look at this guy! Don't don't listen to what he's saying." But this this guy's crazy, so you don't have to listen to what he's saying. His argument is irrelevant, actually, uh, and it works on the gods. And I I think it's um, it it's uh, noteworthy that it works on the gods because you know these gods, like we've kind of mentioned before, they're not gods. They're not omnipresent. Uh, they're more like the gods that we see. Um, in in you know uh, in Greek mythology and mm-hmm. in, in all kinds of ancient mythology where they're more a reflection of human beings and Absolutely. they have all of the follies and the characteristics the and piccadillos of human beings. Yes, yep. absolutely. So they're going to be they're going to succumb to any of the uh, weaknesses of, of human beings as well. So they ask to speak to Mark Spector. The gods want to speak to Mark, and Conchu lets Mark speak. Horace asks him, are you unwell? And I thought Oscar Isaac was fantastic in this scene. Mm. He's just like, he's on his knees and he's almost in tears. And he kind of has to well up for a second and think about it. And like, he really ponders it. He says, I am, I am unwell. I need help. But that doesn't change the fact that this man is, and he tries to go on and you know, Hathor is telling him, hey, look, this is a safe space, safe space. Tell us if you feel exploited by Conchu. Mark says, this isn't about my feelings. I'm not on trial. He is. And this is a dangerous man. Listen to me for a second. But they won't really listen. Osiris just yeah. says, oh, he has committed no offense. The matter is concluded. And that's <laughs> sort of it. And they don't, as Mark is trying to plead the case here, I thought that was the, a few things about this scene was a little bit off, a little bit wonky, you know. So they gave Mark the mm-hmm. chance to talk, and Mark starts to talk, but then they don't give him the chance to talk. <laughs> they gotta c- cut him off yeah. before before he even really gets going. Um, and maybe that makes were, me think. That makes yeah. me think maybe somebody is, uh, you know, secretly in on it with Arthur. One right. of somebody on the tribunal. I agree. Uh, there, uh, the Aniad is is. Uh, trying to sabotage this this thing. So as soon as they could, maybe it's Osiris, like, mm-hmm. and that's why he's moving things forward and in, in that direction uh, to just uh, keep things qu- keep uh, 
uh, Mark quiet in that moment. Uh, but you know, it, it just seems too convenient for them that they they just sweep this under the rug. They've all been summoned here, and like they're they're doing this. So why would they just just rush through it? Why wouldn't they take it seriously and actually do their due diligence here? It seems like somebody has to be sabotaging it from within. So Arthur looks like relieved, but like a little surprised. Like he, this is one of the moments where I was like, uh oh, don't give it away, Arthur, because he was like, oh, <laughs> oh shit, you guys let you guys actually really did it. It was like your your plan comes together and you can't believe it actually worked. It's like wow, right. that actually that actually worked, and. As Arthur walks off, Yatsil now seeming to be Yatsil doesn't feel like it's the the Hathor in the Avatar anymore. Comes over mm-hmm. to Mark and speaks to Mark and says, "There is another way, but you have to listen to me carefully." Amit was buried in secret, the location hidden even from the gods. Amit had many followers. I don't know who to trust. And Mark's kind of asking, you know, someone had to know something. She mentions a man uh, named Senfu. He was tasked with recording the location of the tomb in case the gods ever changed their minds and decided to show mercy. Find Senfu's sarcophagus and you'll find your tomb. She said that the sarcophagus was stolen and sold on the black market. You might want to start there. Okay, so we have we have some purpose here now for Mark. Mark knows what he has to do, what he thinks he has to do in order to Find another way to stop this whole process from happening. So this this one is another where is she really helping him or is she setting him up on like a wild goose chase? And maybe, you know, is he being set up all along? Right. Yeah. It just doesn't it's confusing because she seems on the surface like, you know, she's she's helpful here. But I don't know. She uh, she wasn't probably screwed her God over. Right. Like right, Conchu yeah. probably was a dick to Hathor and like there's probably some resentment there. So is she trying to get back at him? I don't know. Right. We don't know all the backstory yet. So there could be she could be like a scorned lover for all all we know. It uh, sounds like Conchu just like mm-hmm. um maybe hit it and quit it, you know? Like <laughs> maybe. It, sound, it sounded like what it was one of these things where it was like he just like you know, just stopped stopped answering the text, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just so uh well Conchu, you know, you never know. You never know with him. Maybe, maybe Hathor was the one on the wrong side. I think we'll find out a little more. We pick up with Mark in sort of like the marketplace area. He's wearing a, a black cap. I think this was the nod to Jake. And mm-hmm. he walks up to a juice vendor. And I think this is why this is a nod to Jake because the Jake character is one who basically would go around trying to get a lot of information from people. Like trying to find information and this is exactly what he does in this moment when he he goes up to the juice vendor he asks for a juice but then he asks about senfu i'm looking for senfu's sarcophagus and when the vendor says the word senfu back he looks very scared and he just walks away he doesn't want to have this conversation like that's like that's sort of like a uh voldemort you know, right. like walk, like walks away. He who will not be named doesn't even want to mention him. But from behind, Layla walks up. She finds Mark, and she says, "I hope you like attention. Right guy, right place. But you're not Egyptian." Now, again, this isn't really surprising because we found out that Layla can track Mark. Right. So it's it's not really weird that she knows where he is because we've seen she's got the GPS on his phone and she's tracked him and stuff. So 
this this doesn't shock me all that much. But Mark, we knew she was coming too. Well, like mm-hmm. that's how we started the episode. And it almost surprised me it took this long for for her, for her to, to get, get out there. there. Yeah. yeah. Now this is the part where I thought Mark was feeling maybe a little bit meaner to her. He says, "What the mm-hmm. hell are you doing here? You shouldn't be here." And she says, "Why? Because my name pisses off a few people in Cairo. Who cares?" Hmm. So, yeah. He says it's not the locals that I'm worried about. And as he looks up, there's Conchu sitting on one of the roofs. Because remember, Conchu's plan. Conchu wants Layla to be his next avatar. Mark is trying to to stop that from happening, but Layla seems to have an idea. She says, "Come with me. I'll help you find what you need." And we get this really cool look at like metropolitan Egypt, buildings, yeah. like hotels, very modern looking. Even I, I use the word futuristic. It kind of looks like yeah. something that's like ten years into the future. It looks really, really like high level, high tech, like a. A, a cool city where you just sort of want to walk around and 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 take a look. Yeah, and instantly reminded of of Madripoor a little bit. Hundred um, percent. Made me think that they possibly drew inspiration from Egypt when they created uh, Madripoor for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I could definitely see there being like a pipeline between these two cities. I think geographically they're probably not too far apart. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but. Um, I think there's going to be some connections there, uh, especially with the 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 power broker stuff that we learned about, and the, you know the that that we know Layla is stealing artifacts and would have to have maybe a pipeline to to uh, return them, or maybe she was at odds at one point with the power broker, or possibly Sharon Carter if they're the same person, uh, because you know who knows maybe she's stolen from the power broker in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of intertwining stories. Uh, Absolutely. You know, what's going on in Madripoor? This is the MCU after all. Yep. It would make so much sense here because this guy, Mogart, who she mentions, he is, he says, Mogart's collection is prime gossip for those of us who deal in antiquities. So we see the two of them on a boat now, and they're going over to this Mogart's place as Layla has interacted with this guy before in some of their black market dealings. But they have a little moment between the two of them, Mark and Layla, before where she's just kind of talking about how frustrated she's been with him. You know, you left me in the dark and, you you know, why couldn't you – why couldn't we have handled this together? And he says, you know, that's not really what I do. I've never been able to talk about everything. Mark's kind of trying to push it away early. He says, like, let's get through tonight. Let's give our shit a rest for a moment and try to strategize. And so they're they're on the this boat too, and as they're on the way to Mogart's, there's like a a song being played, and there's a dance that was something that that <clears throat> that they did at their wedding. So they have this like moment where they you could see they sort of reflect. She actually grabs his hands at one point, and tr- looks like they're gonna have this serious moment, but Mark kind of shrugs it off. He he doesn't want to get there. It's funny. It's like he doesn't want to pull this band-aid off and get into everything. I think it's just too right. much for him to have to really say, like, to, to really think about what he's done. Like, this is hard knowing that you have to like you can't be with the person that you love because what you're doing is good for her. You know, he can't he doesn't want to give that information to her to oh wait, hey, by the way, Conchu wants you next because she maybe she wants to be that. Who knows? But maybe she'll say 
I'll, right. I'll be the avatar for Conchu, so you don't have to do that anymore, right? She seems like a selfless type person, so I think Mark's not quite sure how she's going to react, and this is really hard for him having to keep this under wraps as to why it's not as if he doesn't love her or doesn't want to be with right. her. It's what he's doing is what's good for her. Yeah, and you can totally see it. You can see that what he's doing is eating him up because what he wants is to be with her, obviously, but he he feels that he needs to protect her and that he he needs to be cold, standoffish, put up walls between them in a lot of ways with information, with space, and almost any sense, just c- cut themselves off from each other to protect her. And like we've talked about this before, we've seen it with that's the Spider-Man dynamic. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the dynamic in all of superheroes. Why they have uh, secret identities? That's the main motivating factor for that is to protect the people that they love. I mean, Superman doesn't need protection for himself. Like he doesn't pretend uh, to be Clark, no. just a you know a regular guy, Clark Kent, uh, so that villains don't attack him at his day job. He could he could handle that. It's so that they don't attack you know Mom Pa Kent on a farm yep. back in Kansas. That's what yep. he's trying to protect. So it's 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 very much the same dynamic here, and it's that tragic hero kind of thing because we know he, he, it's a selfless act and it's hurting himself. It's you know, the person that's hurting the most is him, and then it also it's hurting himself because he's hurting her too. So there's just layers upon layers of of uh, of pain and struggle that's going into this dynamic here and this relationship. Uh, and I think you brought up a great point when you said, you know, Layla might want. <laughs> to be Conchu's avatar, yeah, yeah. Like you might jump at that opportunity, whether it's to protect him or just because out of that family lineage thing that we're talking about, and her, just she kind of wants to be the Robin Hood, maybe right? That's who maybe she it's is. Her birthright, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, maybe in the long run, uh, Mark is wrong, or Stephen, or whoever we want to call <laughs> this character. Maybe they're he's wrong to uh, hold her at bay, yeah, uh, because. Maybe she would be good. Maybe it would be a good fit for her. Maybe the maybe Kanshu and her are meant to, to be, be together. Exactly. Right. She might be. So right. This might be what she's supposed to be. And they arrive off the boat at their destination. There was a moment too where um, I thought was where she said, "You could have told me what it's been like for you about Stephen." He said, "For what it's worth, I had it under control until very recently." So That's they arrive. Um, they get to Mogart's Once they get off the boat Steven's kind of noticeably looking around Cautious Thinks there's somebody watching them But they go over their plan Okay, his name is Rufino Estrada They just got back from their honeymoon And Mark's like Oh, that's an interesting detail to give them and She says, I tell them you worked at a gift shop But they'd never believe me, would they? <laughs> so They arrive at this big Sporting event it's like a jousting event And this is the oldest fencing competition In Egypt and you can see Like Training happening And she explains um, She kind of explains To Mark as they watch but, but they walk up And a man named Beck who looks like Kind of like the security detail maybe for Mogar Like his, his right hand man He lets Layla in and he actually mentions Madripoor after Madripoor, I'm sure you two will have a lot to talk about. Excuse me for a moment. Mr. Mogart will be with you shortly. So they watch what's happening. And the, there's this the, the jousting and the fencing going on. And Mark even mentions, so what, this guy puts on El Murma games in his backyards for fun? No, he gets private lessons by the best in his backyard. And Mark's like, 
jealous, you know, because <laughs> Mogard is good looking, you know, and obviously rich, and he's obviously into the same things that Layla's into. Yeah. So I was like, oh, damn, this guy's sort of perfect, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and Mark, just like, yeah, he's like, uh, I like the robe, you know, he says something, something <laughs> just got a real goofy um, Mogart comes over and they all say hello. She introduces her uh, Mogart to her husband, Rufino. That's the name that they've given Mark his alias for the moment. And Mogart says, I hope you understand this is more than a collection to me. Preserving history is a responsibility I take very seriously. Layla jokes, a self-appointed responsibility that you alone were able to enjoy. No. And he kind of laughs back. Well, I prefer to see it as a philanthropic effort at preservation. Now, why such interest in Senfu in particular? And he says, I want to hear from your husband. And and he could tell right off the bat that something's up. Because Mark doesn't know anything. Like, Mark doesn't even know what to say, how to fake this. This would be like, I mean... I'm in horse racing. This would be like somebody coming into the world of horse racing and trying to speak the language. You don't know the terminology. You don't know what you're saying. You sound like like two seconds. Someone's like, oh, they've never watched a horse race in their life. You know, you can just tell immediately when someone has it. And that's what's happening here. Mark's just like, um, um. Think about the steakhouse. Yeah. It's a reversal of that. You know, that was Steven at a steakhouse, not as a vegan, not knowing what to order. He's like, I'll have a good, yeah, good. very good. very good, very good, just like that. He the goes best um, part, the best bit of the steak. I just um I think I would have to take a look. Let me let me just see it. <laughs> and Margart Mogart sort of laughs, but he does let Mark and Layla walk over and view the piece. And so as those two walk over, Layla's trying to nudge Mark and like, hey, get Steven out here. Come on, like get Steven out here. He understands this stuff. Like you're right. gonna ruin this, you know. Come on, come on. And Mark's being stubborn he's like no I got this I can handle this and They're looking through this Sarcophagus and they're they're sort of Looking at this piece and uh, Layla says okay it's legit But all I'm seeing is literature To guide the dead Mark is so confused she, And Layla's looking around she's like There's no location I don't know what I'm Looking for but boom Steven knows He says the information has to be unlocked It's coded and as Steven's, you know, give it, making making things a little bit easier for them, Mark realizes, okay, I got to go talk to Steven. And he walks over in the corner and he says, okay, Steven, you want to talk to me? Talk to me. What now? And Steven says, what now? You give me the body and you piss off. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going back and forth. Mark says, there's no time for this. Tell me if there's something you know. Now, keep in mind. He's arguing with himself like this in public while these right. people right behind <laughs> off to the side are watching him like, what the hell is going on with this dude? And Layla tries to go over and buy him some time. She's like, he's praying. She says, <laughs> and, uh, and so it, I thought it was pretty funny, the back and forth with Mark and, and, him, and uh, Steven here where you know, Steven says, sorry, if you expect my help, it's not going to be while I'm imprisoned. And Mark says, do you want a bloodbath? Fine, have it your way. Steven says, you are the worst. <laughs> and then he tells him what to do. Check the cartonage. Yeah. Just take that first piece, fold it over the middle. So he's explaining Mark the process now. He's helping him. He's showing him. He says, do this, do this. Okay, wait a second. Now match those stars up with the other piece over there. And it should make a star. But while this is happening, all of a sudden Beck and Mogart come up behind. And they're like, dude, we let you into our safe with our 
awesome artifact. You think we're just going to let this dude we don't know walk in there yeah. who's acting all fishy and like we're not going to be paying attention to him? So they're totally on to on to Mark here. And Mogart even says, do you think I'm an idiot? Get on your knees. Layla pleads with him, Anton, stop. He says, no, get on your knees. Mark agrees. And Mogart says, Layla, I was ready to make peace with you. So it, it seems like they have some sort of a, they've, they've had some sort of a fuzzy past themselves already. Layla yeah. and Mogart. I'm assuming she stole from him. That's, right? what, it, it, that's what it seems like, right? That's what who she is. He's so, into, he's into yeah. antiquities. She's into stealing antiquities. He's so mad it, at her. I'm just making sense. Two and maybe, here. maybe this was even like a little bit of a setup, right? Mm. Act nice, kind of let her come in, and you know that she's probably trying to do the same thing she did last time. Like she's, you know, who she is, and you maybe you set her up here to where you can you can capture her. And they, Layla tries to explain. You don't understand. We're trying to save many lives. Mark tells Mogar to look inside the sarcophagus. There's something really. Really big and At that moment Beck The guard for Mogart says something To Mogart and he turns around And we see Arthur And Arthur says whatever they've told you I'm sure I can offer you something More tangible Why settle for a clue when you can Have the treasure Mark and Layla plead Anton don't listen to this dude he's trying To stop us from re- like don't listen to him He's gonna kill millions of people Mogart says, "Are you kidding me? You're talking about trust to me." So yeah, there must have been, you know, a, a de- some deception before, and we got deception again from Layla right here. Mogart is very upset with Layla, and and Arthur and uh, Arthur Arthur's demonstrating his power at this point a little bit too, right? Yeah. Like he's holding his staff, and I think he's got the scarab out at this mm-hmm. point, like floating it. So I, I feel like that's demonstrating that he's, he's teasing got- Mogart. Some right? authority and yeah, some something to really entice him because he knows that Mogart, what Mogart is invested in, what he's into. This yeah. guy is literally practicing and training in ancient Egyptian fencing <laughs> and jousting. This guy is obsessed. So f- to get the opportunity to to see the scarab and the power that Arthur has, like this is incredible for for Mogart. Arthur says, yeah. "There's no need to descend into violent accusations. Each of you has more in common than you know." Layla, you keep thinking that distance will prevent the wounds from your father's murder from reopening. Is that the first time that they've referenced the murder? I think so. They yeah. referenced something to do with the past. The dad and, dying, and but I didn't and, I don't think we knew it was a murder. But this was now we know her dad was murdered. Something. They've been breadcrumbing this backstory mm-hmm. like little by little. And it kind of reminds me of what they did on um Hawkeye. Yes. With uh um I'm blanking on her name again. Kate, but, Kate uh, Bishop. No, sorry. Actually, I'm thinking of the other. Uh, who is the opposite of Kate Bishop? The, the, who she was the. Um, they're doing a spinoff of her, and she shot. Uh, oh, uh, Echo. Echo. Yeah, you're right. Echo. It's. It reminds me a lot of Echo's father's backstory mm-hmm. and how they they kind of teased out. Maybe, was it maybe Ronan that did it? Yeah. There, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a similar kind of revelation that that's, that comes out of this. That's a good point. Arthur says something stands in your way Your husband doesn't tell you the truth And Mark you don't tell her Because you know that if you do She'll see you exactly as yourself Unworthy of love <laughs> Mark just says you piece of shit <laughs> Just made me laugh <laughs> And uh, um, Arthur says to Anton The sarcophagus doesn't Belong to anyone And so Arthur now is really starting to show off 
He wants to show his powers He said look I've got a little bit of power From Amit But Khonshu isn't going to wait anymore Khonshu starts to tell Mark Do it summon the suit I love that line Yeah, I love the summon the suit line It gets me every time Summon the suit Give them what they deserve And Arthur wants to show Mogart And so he begins chanting in in Coptic And Khonshu's furious What are you waiting for Is we get these incredible looking purple Like electricity waves Around the sarcophagus And Arthur Continues to you know Show off to Mogart This is a taste of the godly power I offer And as the two of them are Fixated on the sarcophagus and showing off The power all of a sudden Mark Is gone and Mogart realizes They look around and he's gone he was kneeling down A second ago and now he's not there But we get a very cool look At Moon Knight Up on top of a nearby building And it is really cool because it's like The moon in the back And the night and he's standing right there It's it's corny but it's great Like it gives you goosebumps where you watch it It's like oh this literally is Moon Knight Standing there with a great look In his whole um, In the whole costume and everything in the suit Nightfall the dark sky behind him And then we see I love his cape when he oh, jumps yeah. his cape uh, Has this perfect descends. crescent moon Kind of a shape that it, it does I, I love that you're pointing this out Because uh, they they go to great Lengths I think to have these little Details to make these shots look Like they're jumping off the page of a comic book And it works um, when they do it yeah. they, We re-recognize it, it, really does. it. it It's awesome yeah. So cool Like it, just, it gives me goosebumps you know to think about That yeah. moment where it's like you see him There with the moon in the background the night And the whole reveal of the costume And then he descends upon This arena that this Jousting arena and he yeah. Initially He comes over and he, he makes her to save Layla and she says Hey buy me some time so he Goes I can do that and There's just tens of all these Men with guns shooting at him and he starts throwing these crescent darts, which are one of his major weapons. They're so mm-hmm. awesome. He just, they're like little, you know, like little, like, um, like ninja stars kind of, you yeah. know, that they, they would throw. Yeah. yeah. And he's so accurate with them. He's just running all over and jumping all over. And we then get Steven trying to break through the body. Mark's trying to stop him. But Steven breaks through And so yeah. the moment where he goes From Moon Knight to Mr. Knight And, <laughs> and, and Immediately this, gets impaled <laughs> and, immediate, and he says oh, oh, Okay 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 Time out, time out. <laughs> Guys let's all calm down <laughs> right. We're all worked up Let's all like just chill the F out For a second <laughs> you know And yeah. I think this was a play on the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Right Scene when Quill did similar It's like hey 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 just ch- everybody is just chill Out for a second and yeah. it, It's so, so funny because as Steven Tries to calm everybody down like you said He immediately gets impaled By a spear and he's like Twice. Take it back Mark Take it back Mark take, it back, <laughs> take the body back Mark Take the body back like it's like So yeah. Mark it's a great uh, gag. It is it's funny and Oscar Isaac is great like he's just he's mm-hmm. Charming like he's lovable You know he just He's really like a like a good good actor, but just like a good everyman. And we see Layla, man, she is so badass. She busts out some of her own sort of crescent dart type throwing stars. She uses them to get the better of Beck. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 they have a little back and forth 
So I thought that was pretty cool. And then she runs off to try to help Mark as um, Mark sees Margot knock Layla to the floor. And um, and this is, you know, for Mark, it really all comes back to Layla, right? Like everything revolves yeah. around his love for Layla. That's sort of why he's still in the role that he's in right now is because he wants to sacrifice himself for her. It, we get an awesome look at his healing powers right here too when he starts pulling these spears out. I mean, we're talking like Wolverine type yeah. stuff. Yeah, I wasn't aware uh, of me that either. Exactly. This was kind of my uh, introduction to that aspect of, of his power. It's very much uh, the same as Wolverine or Deadpool. Um, yeah, Mark is able to pull these spears out. He's able to quickly heal himself, and Mark takes out like four men, runs over, saves Layla, and as Margot is kind of riding away. Margot kind of chasing at her with a spear. He rides away, and Mark throws one of those crescent darts and just pings him and knocks Margot right off the horse. So I think this yeah. was a, a a way for them to kind of keep it open ended, because right. this was a character who, like we said, this was a this is a big character in the Moon Knight story. So you'd imagine that they have plans for this character to return. What's very yeah. sad about it, like we said, is the, the the actor who plays the character has passed away. There is a, I believe this character though does end up getting into a suit and wear, right. wears a costume himself. So that may be a route that they can go to where they don't have to actually show who it is anymore. They can have him in in like the costume um, moving forward. But yeah, yeah. just he does wear like, a mask. He almost looks okay. like Black Panther. There we in go his, in his mask. So, yeah, um, so maybe and, we see him with a mask when he shows back up, and and they don't have to, they don't have to get into that part of it. But again, yeah. just one more time, really sad for someone who he yeah. he in the little time he was on the screen here, I thought he did a fantastic job as this character. He's really yeah. good looking. He kind of exuded this like rich sort of arrogance, you know, some he, sophisticated. He, he felt exactly like too. the type of guy who would be doing that, right? Who would mm-hmm. be like. Paying absurd amounts of money for To be trained in this joust It's like this guy knows yeah. Latin right Like he speaks Latin fluently Like right. he's one of those people where it's like He pays for mo- money for all these things That have no real value Or worth they don't do anything for you But he just he sort of Let smug got all the money I need type guy I thought he did a great job Here and rest in peace to him And we'll yeah. be watching him back For many years here um, On Moon Knight so, Conchu is in a TikTok Mark Specter TikTok, and clearly they- a, a reference to to Midnight Man. And if you notice, he's I believe sitting atop of a clock when he says that, which has just struck midnight. Cool, always paying attention to detail. Mark <laughs> and Layla drive away, and Layla asks, "What was Harrow talking about?" So she's referencing how. Conchu wants her to be the next avatar. She doesn't know this. Mark knows this. Harrow knows this. But Layla doesn't know this. And Mark says, What do you mean? Uh, I have no idea. And Mark says, He saw right through me. He's trying to mess with you. He's trying to get in your mind. Don't let him do that. He's got this idea that he can see the true nature of people or some baloney like that. And she said, "If that were true, I don't think he'd have a bunch of homicidal ma- maniacs as his disciple." Or Mark says, "Would he? Would he have a bunch of homicidal maniacs as his disciples? Would he?" 
But Layla's still confused What he said about you and me Mark says no it's not true he's just trying to divide us Don't let him get in your head And what's hard here is like You know think about if you're Layla Your husband Basically vanished Now you're He's back you're trying to help him You know he's in trouble you can sense all of this But he really won't tell you anything He really won't talk to you like she's trying to help this guy and all she wants back from him is just hey tell like be honest with me. Tell me what's really going on here. And Mark won't even do that. That's really hard. I mean, I know me sometimes I'm a jackass and I can imagine <laughs> Stephanie trying to help me with things and I'm like keeping it to myself or I'm frustrated or less and she's just like I'm just trying to help you. Like this has got to be a pretty shitty situation for Layla to be in and I don't think Mark Mark's definitely not realizing it, but the more we see it it's like, man, she's she's just trying to help, and I know you're trying yeah. to protect her, but she's being put in a in a really bad situation. And you're very lucky. This is an incredible woman who just has this blind faith in you. Yeah, and he's he's really hurting her too. He's really hurting her, and you can see it on their faces throughout uh, moments in this episode. And you can see the the, the, the pain that he's going through uh, as he does it. It's it's just a bad situation. Uh, for for both of them, but he, he means well. Uh, it seems Mark Mark really does mean well. He wants to protect her, uh, but he's he's hurting her. He's putting her through a lot. So Layla and uh, and Mark continue on in the car, and she says, "I every time I think I learned something new about you, I think, oh, that's it. There can't possibly be any more secrets left. And then something else pops up, and it's like I've not known you at all. And then." This part again Right here He says yeah you haven't you don't I was like Mark who is this Like that was really mean And that didn't seem like Like what Mark What what Mark would say like no you don't know Mm -hmm. me You don't know me (laughs) It's like what What? That was I didn't like that They they linger in this moment uh, Too I love it Uh, they really hang on it With with no words and they just show His reflection and you can see that that pain that that struggle there and mm-hmm. uh are you mark? wondering if, if it is it mark yeah is is mark in the reflection uh or is it mark just doing it and he's uh he's feeling the pain of that moment of that he's putting her through that and uh i'm very i'm not sure is it mark is it jake is it steve <laughs> i don't know so as they as they head to their destination, one of there's a lookout for Harrow, one of the disciples, and he lets Harrow know that Mark and Layla are near. And Mark and Layla are trying to figure out now. They're trying to basically decode the the information that they got. They got this artifact. There's information on there. It's supposed to lead them to the tomb, but they have to find out how to decode it. And, and now they're out. In in the desert And they're like trying to get a reading And they're looking at the stars They're trying to like use the stars in the sky as like a map And and they're just having Zero luck whatsoever And this is again when Layla says Hey we need Steven He understands all this I think it's worth giving him a shot And Khonshu says I summon the gods you summon the worm He won't return the body And Layla says Mark We can't wait it's okay just let go We don't have time So Mark kind of walks over to himself And he starts talking to Steven And he says okay Steven Go ahead you're in And he gives control to Steven This is the first time where he really lets him in 
and he lets right. him take over. He's been fighting it before. And Steven pops in, cheers, thanks a lot. <laughs> and he goes right to work. Okay, here we go. We don't need that. I don't need that. Says Egyptians invented modern navigation. There's not a lot of landmarks in the desert, so they came up with a way to get about using the sun and the stars. It's bloody genius, isn't it? And uh, he f- puts together, folds the thing over and this and that and what he was explaining to them to do. And all of a sudden, it's like a little star is made. In this artifact that he's holding And he says voila He says I'm not sure but hang on a minute You see that you see those little pinpricks That's a constellation And Layla says oh great we should be able to triangulate The stars into coordinates right Let me just scan this He says nah well it's not that easy See Senfu Marked that tomb like 2000 years ago And stars Drift over time Not that far but you know the difference between where we're looking now It could be a few miles So unless we know exactly what the sky Looked like on that date We're buggered And Conchu kind of sadly Interrupts I remember that night I remember every night It's like oh It's it's almost like he's tormented yeah. by it Right I've heard I, That's so funny I've just heard some Anecdote about people Who remember like have, they have like a perfect memory supposedly, and I don't know how real this is, but apparently they they suffer because it's it's just like they can't forget any of their trauma. Uh, it's like it just happened yesterday. If, if if you don't forget stuff, far off memories feel like they happened yesterday. There's no real difference between them, so everything is fresh. Any kind of trauma is always going to be fresh if you recall it. So I was oh, thinking about scary. that. That's scary. Perhaps that's what Kanchu is experiencing here. So he he says I can turn back the night sky It will come at a cost And I cannot do it alone And as the sands begin to blow He said he tells Stephen When the gods imprison me Tell Mark to free me And then Conchu directs Stephen Do what I do Stephen becomes Mr. Knight And he starts to mimic the movements of Conchu they're doing these sort of like hand circular motions and we it literally looks like time is getting turned back almost like a spiral mm-hmm. really cool visual here and people yeah, in really trippy like uh, really i thought this, this i was like I want something right here moments. i was like i was like <laughs> i thought for a second about some of the some of the trippy stuff we were talking about last week i was like did that sneak in did somebody <laughs> somebody put some back <laughs> my drink cuz yeah we were visually really cool and I, I like mm. the look of the people in Egypt looking up at the sky. Yeah. Like seeing it like what the hell is happening here? And, and the uh, the implications of like all these major world things happening, like uh, the celestial event. Obviously, that must have been a big thing on the news uh, with the, obviously the celestial like appearing hugely in the sky and the one you know arising out of the. The oceans and creating like a giant mountain of a stone celestial. Uh, that, that, that all that happened in Eternals just recently. So I'm wondering, like, what's going on? I mean, th- these guys are fresh off the blip, obviously, and all that, and uh, the you know the invasion from 2012. The MCU and the people in in this world are a very different people than you know our world. Oh, uh, I mean, we experienced been through a lot. <laughs> I mean, we've had 9/11 and we've had. Uh, you know, COVID and all all kinds of things. We got war in Ukraine, 
atomic bombs uh, in our history. But uh, this is it, it's pretty crazy to, to think. And I, I wonder what the what the effects on the general population would be. And if they're going to explore that kind of thing, all these crazy anomalies, are they going to start to, are people going to start to be like fatigued by them or just kind of like, Oh, whatever. It's funny because no big deal on the, the ringer verse. I think it was Van Lathan who said, man, I would be suing these, these superheroes. He was like, man, I'd be following Wanda all over the place. And when shit happens, I'd be like writing a book afterwards. You know, right. and if Wanda didn't apologize, I'd be writing strongly worded letters to everyone and making sure that they hated her. Like I'm on social media all day, every day. It's <laughs> really funny the way that he was. Uh, Can- cancel talking. Wanda. Yeah, exactly. cancel Wanda Maximoff. Exactly. It's like, man, I'm sitting here and this thing went through my house. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell, man? Like just thinking about the uh, yeah, the everyday people in this world is is kind of funny as time we think it's turned back. And... I've got thoughts on that. I, sorry, okay, so I got to stop yeah, right there. Where do you, what do you think happens here? What do you think is going on? So I've seen a lot of uh, people presume that this is uh, meaning that time is going backwards. I do not think that's how this is working right here. What I think happened is one of two things. Um, number one is more simple version, and it's that it's a it's a visual thing. So he's projecting the visual of that onto the sky, changing the sky just visually. None of those bodies are actually doing that. It's just an illusion. The celestial bodies are in your, the same places mm-hmm. that they would that. be normally. We yeah. just see it differently it's like to, a in order to guide us. Yeah, exactly, right? Like what Doctor Strange does. Right. Right. And Where so that shows that's... you the like what's mm-hmm. going on. Here's a like here's a glimpse or like a look when you're kind of in that in between place. You're, right, you're right. That, like purgatory. Yeah. I, I but agree. no matter has been permanently changed. Yeah, I that's, don't think, that's one theory that I have. And maybe maybe we're wrong, but I I don't know if they would in, introduce that whole idea of like, oh my god, like everything can go back in time now. Because like, no, it, I yeah. don't think that's what happened either. Because that's how that's how time works in Superman, right? Like they they move the the world, they spun the world backwards. And then that caused time to move backwards. That's but not, we it doesn't work that way here we, in the MCU. Right. But when we saw that in Superman, in the original Superman movie, we actually saw things moving in reverse mm-hmm. besides just the world spinning backwards. When we saw what we saw in on this show was people reacting to it in real time moving forward. Like, uh, so I think it's separate from, you know, time changing. Now, you could say it's just Earth that stays the same and the rest of the universe re- rewound. But what I think uh, it is, if it's not, you know, my first guess it's just that he literally moved all the celestial bodies backwards, like just just like Superman if he turned the world backwards. But that's not going to turn time backwards. It's just going to move everything. Ba- you know, it's just going to move the planets relative to each other, uh, all the and and the suns and everything else there. So I don't think that that would necessarily. Or there, there's, there, I don't think there's any reason for us to believe that that would cause events to be undone. Uh, yeah, I, I it's. I don't like the idea of the events being undone. I just don't want no. that to. It just it's too kind of lazy of a right. of a and like, oh, well we can do everything all over again. I don't I don't like that. I think it it's better with what we're we're kind of hoping in that it's a snapshot. He's showing mm-hmm. him a picture of what happened. Just right. like he's rewinding it, but things aren't changed, right? Yeah. It's like you're rewinding a show or a movie and Steven is actually it, it's like Straining him this reminds me of like the force Right like what mm. we see with Yoda When he's like having to use the force Or I'm thinking about Grogu right now You know all the yeah. he has to do all this stuff To save Mando and, and, and when he yeah. does He can't 
he's out. Like he's knocked out. He's a nap. Yep. He's <laughs> taking it's, it's taking all the life out of him. And that's sort of where Steven is. He, this is painful for him as yeah. he's str- straining, but it's it's working for Layla. She's getting a reading. Mm-hmm. And and um we get a look at, you know, some of the people in the in the nearby in nearby Egypt looking up at the sky, and Arthur is one of them. And he can sense what's happening. You know, he says, yeah. You brought this upon yourself, Khonshu. And is this what Arthur wanted all along? Yeah. Did he play right in right into uh did Khonshu play right into Arthur's hands? Set it up. Was he sort mm-hmm. of a catalyst of this? As now yeah. we see the gods, the group of Hathor, Horus, Osiris, Isis, and uh Tenfoot, who are all together holding arms and they are chanting together. Steven says, I can feel my energy leaving me. I don't know how much longer I can do this, but it does seem like Layla's picking up the reeds. Coordinates found 29 degrees north, mm-hmm. 25 degrees east. Boom, she's got it. And it, perfect timing. As she was able to get the reed, all of a sudden, Steven is, he's like drained. He's struggling to even get to his feet. And Conchu like, evaporates. He like disintegrates. Yeah. He's just we see him like falling apart. And Steven collapses. Layla's trying to speak with him. Steven has like no energy left. He's basically knocked completely out. He's 1000% drained. She's begging him, "Mark, Mark, Steven, where are you? What's going on?" We leave them with Layla, not sure if Mark is alive, if he has any spirit left in him. And we check back in inside the Pyramid of Giza with I think Salim is the name Of the avatar for Osiris When he's mm-hmm. not Osiris And this this guy was talking With Arthur And he tells Arthur you were right about Khonshu And in the end he left us No choice now he's Tethered to this place like Many before him So they're in this little sort of It's kind of like a tomb where the where some of the gods have been mm-hmm. banished to and trapped in stone, and they've trapped Conchu inside the pyramid in a small stone statue. Yeah. Arthur asks, "Can he hear us?" And Salim says, "We think so." And so Salim kind of leaves. And the last scene of this episode, I thought yeah, was fantastic. It was Ethan Hawke is so good. God, and he just. Like the tone of his voice, the way he moves yeah. around, and just the body language, and he just—I saw somebody say in one of the things I was reading back, you forget that he's actually not talking to like a person, that there's nobody right. else there. Like he's actually yeah. just talking to a statue, but you don't—he—he he makes it the way that he responds back, and the visuals, and his the cues that he takes, and the reacting—that's acting again. As Joey Tribbiani mm-hmm. would say, um, he it's like it's perfect. It's yeah. incredible. He says, "Can I tell you a secret?" You know, he's talking to Conchu. I enjoy dealing out pain on your behalf. That is the greatest sin I carry. I am grateful. Had you not broken me so completely, I might never have known the value of healing. I'm going to do what you could not, and when it's finished, I want you to remember one thing. Your torment forged me. I owe my victory to you. He picks up the small figurine. He like speaks to it. He looks at it. He talks to it like it's Khonshu. And we are finished with episode three. 
man, Ethan Hawk was fantastic. And this is yeah. what they're doing here is hard, man, with this show because mm-hmm. you're building a new world, you're introducing new characters, and then you're throwing all this ancient Egypt at us at the same time. And it's a dance yeah. that, like, this could get kind of boring if they weren't mm-hmm. really good about the way they've done it. This could get very like, Oh, I'm in class right now. Am I like learning? This is like teachy. This could get real. I I love this Mm -hmm. episode. Episodes two and three. Because I think in the first episode, it was it was sort of hard. They had a lot to set up. But wow, Mm -hmm. I feel like in episodes two and three now, like I'm we're taking major strides with this show. And I've I'm so interested. I'm really fascinated. I don't have any ideas of what exactly they're gonna do. Because yeah. I don't really have a whole lot of comic Like we said, I don't have a whole lot of comic background So I don't mm-hmm. know all these different characters I'm not waiting for them to do this Or for them to do that, which I really like It's all fresh to me It's all new to me I think the acting has been incredible Visually, I thought they did a fantastic job We found out a lot more about Layla this episode And now we are We're in Egypt And we're ready to rock and roll, man We are full swing ahead Conchu's trapped we don't know yeah. physically what's going on with Steven slash Mark. And it looks like Arthur and his full plan are um, are in full swing. The The rest of the gods are 100% on Arthur's side. There's not even mm-hmm. Conchu around anymore to be the birdie to, to tell them what he's doing. So for the final three episodes of this season, I think in a good way, we have a lot happening. We have a lot to try to you know, tie up and... Uh, Lots of things to lots of different ways to go. I, I do wonder sure. that we're already halfway in. Do you? I mean, they they have to introduce this new personality soon, right? There, there's somebody right. else in there. My thought is, we just lost Conchu. That's a major personality. It's you know, arguably a personality of Mark slash Stephen right now. So with that void, we have something to fill in episode four, and I think that's going to be filled. With some more concrete information about Jake Lockley or whoever this third uh, this third personality is, uh, and I, I think that it's the perfect time for it. Um, I have a feeling that there's going to be a little bit of a rug pull. I'm going to go ahead and predict that there's a little bit of a twist coming soon, uh, where we're going to be disoriented and maybe uh, have somebody that was uh, thought to be good, uh, thought to be an ally that is the exact opposite. Or, or vice versa. Maybe yep. somebody who we thought was bad is going to turn out to be, you know, an, an, an unexpected ally. So uh, I, I would put uh, Layla in that mix. I would say Khonshu is in that mix for sure. We've always seen him kind of as this am, ambiguous uh, person, but maybe there's um, maybe there's mo- more nefarious stuff going on with him and his manipulation yeah. of Mark slash Steven. Maybe he's really uh, doing a number on this guy. Uh, we don't really know how their relationship Began so I'd hope to see uh, some type of a flashback uh, or explanation uh, in regards to that. You know, I've, there's a lot of mystery still to unfold with the story, but it also feels like we've gotten a lot of information. We've traveled a lot. We've you know, uh, we've gone all the way across the world. Uh, you know, to to Egypt, and we've seen a side of Egypt that we really haven't seen in movies uh, lately, especially you know the MCU, DC Comics. You know, comic book movies in general have not shown us this level of uh, Egypt. So we're, we're getting a lot of stuff to chew on. And this is, a, uh, I think, one of the strongest things the MCU's done to date. Very, very excited about the next few episodes of Moon Knight. We will be here with you the next few weeks doing our deep dives, our recaps, our reviews with Tim Kelly. 
TK before we get out of here anything uh, else to uh, to mention before we put a bow on this thing yeah I, you know what I I think you might have mentioned forgive me if I'm mixing up stuff but the show Severance on Apple TV Plus oh I've heard I've, um, I've watched a little bit about that and I've heard them this show being referenced about it yeah yes so uh, two completely different shows but they share uh, the concept of um, multiple personalities in a very different way. I can't recommend this show enough. I'm two episodes deep into it. It's created by uh, Ben Stiller. He directs it. Uh, it stars Adam Scott. And it, the it's about uh, a company that has its employees uh, engage in something called severance, where they divide their personality and their memories to their working hours and their personal life so that they're completely separate. They essentially become two different people. And the way that they explore that conceptually, thematically, um, as satire, uh, very, very dark satire, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's made me think. It's just made me think about it almost nonstop since I watched it. So it's a great compliment to Moon Knight, uh, and I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Well, I'll be uh, putting that up in the queue. We started it. I think me and Stephanie started it, but it ends up happening. I'm sure you know. We'll start a show, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like Milo, like a Milo yep. uh, <laughs> cry against it or something, and we're like, oh yeah, I think we started that one for a few. So we'll, we'll jump back into that for sure. I'm trying to get her, and I think over the weekend I will because she's not a big. She doesn't have like the MCU background, but I mm-hmm. I think this is a great show. For anyone yes. out there that's listening to, to introduce to your friends and family who maybe don't have a whole big background in the MCU because you don't need to have any prerequisites for this. You don't right. need to have watched – there isn't like Moon Knight 1, 2, and this is Moon Knight 3. You can jump in, and in the first three episodes, they're going to know almost as much as you and I know. Right, there are like right. Easter eggs and stuff for things that where we talk about the power broker and stuff that other people may not understand and Madripoor. But you don't. There's nothing about the the backstory to Stephen or Mark or Layla or Arthur or any of those characters that we know more than anyone that just picked up this show and started it. So this could be a good one to try to get some of your friends and family members into with your partner, significant other, if you want them to watch yeah. with you. Hey, tell them this is a show that. You won't have to do all that much work to get involved in. So I'm going to try to get Stephanie in uh, this weekend and watch these three with me. TK, my man, uh, we're recording this right before Easter on Saturday. So thanks again for helping a little early. You have a fantastic Easter with your family. And I look forward to uh, chatting with you again next week. We're already on the back half. Moon Knight episode four next week. Yeah, we're zipping through. Uh, You have a happy Easter yourself. Thank you so much. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking about this uh, this show with you and all these Marvel shows every week. So I can't wait to see what happens next. We'll be back next week with Tim Kelly talking episode four of Moon Knight. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to discuss on that. That's what G said. I don't even know the name of my own show anymore. I keep screwing it up. That's (laughs) That's what G said. There we go. Pronounce that thing, bad boy. Can't believe we are already going to be on to Moon Knight episode 4. Hope you all are enjoying Moon Knight. And anytime there's anything going on in the world of the MCU, Marvel, Tim Kelly will be here with me breaking it all down. Let's make some money on Tuesday at Indy. Not Indy, at Horseshoe, uh, Indianapolis. Let's make some money on Wednesday over at Keeneland. And then on into the weekend. Santa Anita does have a, a weekend off here. They'll pick things back up next week on Saturday. So as soon as they're back racing, we'll be back bringing you Santa Anita coverage and best plays from there. And don't forget about Louisiana Downs coming soon. You can hear the footsteps, right? 
the footsteps, Louisiana Downs. They're right behind us. They're chasing us because they're coming. L-A-D to that's what G said. Joey Cleveland, my friend, take it away. 